Welcome to Analog Stick, a PlayStation 2 podcast, the podcast where every month we do a deep dive on one PS2 title. We cover the game's development history, discuss its legacy, as well as share our thoughts and opinions on the game through a modern lens. You can find us on podcast platforms as Analog Stick, as well as a video version of our podcast on our YouTube channel, Joystick. I'm your host, Clayton. Joined as always by my muggle co-host, Morgan. Morgan, how are you? Well, hey now. We don't have to be so so mean about it no and uh for the first time ever my my, oh yeah sorry i don't know how to do this we have three people yeah (laughs) Uh, and my um pure-blooded wife claire wow really pure blood yeah uh how are you doing i'm good this is claire's first time on the podcast we brought her on because she's a harry potter expert yeah so she'll be here for a little bit until we start talking about the game and maybe this will convince me to listen to the podcast. Yeah, because my audit. Finally, my wife will listen to my podcast. Before we get into our opening topic, I just want to discuss. Uh, I, I added like this segment here at the start of the show. I'm considering moving it to the end of the show. Post Clayton can decide what happens to that. But I just want to make some amendments to the uh, previous episodes. When I went back to play through Team and T to capture footage for it. Uh, I decided it was like a much better speedrunning game than I thought when I initially played it. I think that it's like much more worthy of like, I, I would basically just, I'd be more willing to recommend it to someone now than I was in the episode. I was kind of, I was kind of like leaning negative towards the game in the episode I felt like. And uh, I think after playing it for like a second time, leaning a bit more on the positive side of it, a bit more in line with Morgan. So yeah, just wanted to say that. I'm going to leave this section here so we can uh, correct our opinions if we ever want. But yeah, Morgan, could you introduce us to our opening topic? Yes. So <laughs> when I discovered um, that this episode was going to be about Harry Potter, I decided to whip out this very interesting topic, and that is Snape Wives. So just a forewarning, if you have any little wizards or little gamers... In the room with you, you should probably <laughs> put them out of the room because uh, this is not a little wizard or little gamer friendly discussion. So just go ahead and just shoot them away. <laughs> it's a content warning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there's been a couple times where like, I think during the Haunting Ground stuff where it was getting a little, mm. a little racy, rapey. Oh, um, yeah. That, that, yeah. That was very disturbing. A disturbing that, discussion. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We brought up, we brought up the little gamers and I really like that. That's a, that's a nice <laughs> yeah. bit of like, that's a good, does that mean our audience is the big gamers? Can we call them the big yeah, gamers? Yeah. Okay. yeah they're, they're well, that makes big. sense too, because they're grown up PS2 people, right? Yeah. Or some, yeah, weird little kid who's into <laughs> yeah. nostalgic, like weird, like old consoles, but yeah. Yeah. There uh, might be some little kids that are like, oh, Harry Potter. And we're like, no, 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 you can't. <laughs> you need to, you need to leave. <laughs> um, but anyway, so as a preface for this, this discussion, this topic. What do you know, or what do you think you know about internet um, and fandom culture? I want to know how deep down the rabbit hole you've ever gone. I want to know what your experience is. Um, just as like, I don't know, just tell me, tell me, tell me your history. I hardly interact with any of this. Like my, most of my interfacing with like communities that are fans of games is like for news purposes. So I'm like following like people who report on the news. I don't really follow fandoms at all. Okay. Like, 
to the point where like uh, a lot of people are bothered by like toxic fandoms or like cringy fandoms and i just don't even that doesn't even register to me because i don't know they exist most of the time so not at all basically got it i would put myself at a more moderate level sorry for my plosive there clayton i'll work harder (laughs) next time just direct it away from the microphone (laughs) i guess um but yeah, more of a moderate level because I was a Tumblr user. I know I ended in 2016 because I think I officially deleted the app. Maybe 2017, but it was freshman year of college when I was like, all right, I'm done with Tumblr. Um, but I probably used it starting in like 2012, 2013. I would say I got a part of a few different fandoms there, but not like as intense as some people. But now I like to watch YouTube retrospectives about fandoms, like the Onceler <laughs> fandom. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, all those kinds of things. And just find out the other things that were happening on Tumblr when I was just like reading other things. I don't know. Yes. Okay. So, so when you were on Tumblr, you didn't really engage with like the Harry Potter fandom all that much. At least well, I don't I remember. Did. You uh, yeah, doing I would it say I tried to. You know, I wanted my one of my things was I was like, well, maybe I'll become a popular blogger. And then the only blogs that ever followed me were porn blogs. And then like yeah. <laughs> high school friends, they gotta like, start two, somewhere. Two high school friends, um, which was not great. But no, I tried to be a blog that was like Potterhead plus Bastille. <laughs> okay, was, I remember that, that was my yep. niche. So I had those two things and I followed a bunch of those blogs and reposted a bunch of that stuff. And then also just like the funny stuff. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. This, this sort of like, uh, research I did for this is very much in line with the whole video essay retrospective thing. I Mm. watched approximately four hours worth of video essays, um, (laughs) and then found and read an academic paper on the topic. So this got, I went kind of deep. It's kind of interesting. I love that. Yeah. So, um, also Clayton, I don't think four hours is that intensive a video essay. Like, I don't know. I just like I like to, if, if your research was like a pie chart, I think it'd be funny if like we graphed it out and it was like overwhelmingly Snape wives. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one, one was like a three hour long video essay. Very good. Very, very well thought out. Would recommend it. It was amazing. Um, the other one was just like an hour and it was sort of like not quite as deep of a dive. But for uh, those listeners who are not maybe so involved with fandom stuff i'll try to give you like a brief vague explanation maybe give you like some idea of what it's about so fandom is sort of like a self-aware zone of imagination and experimentation um so the people involved are always aware um that they're in sort of like a game that they're playing a game of sorts um it's like a lot of like irony and stuff like that but the thing is sometimes this imaginative play space ceases to be a play space and the fictional narratives are taken to like an authoritative level and then that's where these things called fiction-based religions come from so basically sometimes <laughs> what other people term what other oh people are like playing with sometimes other people are being really intense with and then it's just kind mm-hmm. of a strange new thing do people get like do people who are really intense about it get mad when other people are just kind of lukewarm about it like they're just a moderate fan. Kind of like depends. if I was just an okay fan of Snape and I didn't want to marry him or have any sort of sexual relation with him, <laughs> would that upset those people? Actually, they're like you don't care enough. No, 
actually, that's the interesting thing about this um, phenomenon, I guess, was that it was the other way around. So it was the more casual people that were getting really, really mad at these like mm. in, more intense women. It wasn't really the other way around. So like the bullying yeah. was more like the like more like normal casual fans ganging up on these like intense super fans. Uh, um, that's not as funny. Yeah, it's you know yeah it ended up being like kind of sad. Okay, so just like for a little bit of background, I think the Snape wives were the most active between like 2005 2011. So I want you to think about how when this was happening, the internet was like a little bit of a different place. So you know how like in today's social media spaces, uh, we're all in like the same four or five apps all the time. So like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Reddit, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this like Snape wife, Snape wife, Snape wife, whatever, sub sub fandom (laughs) um, was all happening on like these little forum sites that overlapped, but not quite in the same way as like today's social media space does. So it was more like divided, more like out in the wild. Uh, not mm-hmm, really interacting mm-hmm. with like other bits of the Harry Potter fandom so much, like chat room type situations. Yeah, yeah, like chat rooms yeah. or like smaller like forum forum boards mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or like you know like a forum site dedicated only to Snape wives that only yeah. Snape wives were members of. So how did this happen and how did this begin? Basically, a lot of this Snape obsession, love, defense, sort of a, a defense of like Snape's character spawned from uh jkr's quote-unquote shitty redemption arc for snape a lot of snape lovers were not happy with what she did with his backstory we're not happy with uh lily potter at all um oh Oh, by the way like right before we get into like anything too deep yeah uh should we just say flat out like we're gonna talk about the entire series well are you saying spoiler warning yeah like should we just I mean, oh, I'm I not going to spoil are, anything. Well, but I also think people I kind of want to. Okay. <laughs> I think people are over spoiler warnings for Harry Potter, though. That's I don't true. know. I, just, just. Yeah, if there's any. We're little, talking about everything. If there's any little gamers or whatever. <laughs> little gamers who are hoping to read this. If there's someone who is like, I was going to read that to my child at some point. Yeah. Uh, Snape <laughs> dies. Were they just unhappy <laughs> that Snape died? Yeah. Yeah. Snape Snape okay. has done many questionable things and then Snape died. The end. I felt like his I felt like his uh redemption arc wasn't bad. I mean he was As a kid I did not understand it. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I mean I I yeah, felt but you come at it different. <laughs> you were older. That's true. Yeah. I wasn't really I don't know. It's like just the the Voldemort killing him when he did thing felt weird to me. But mm-hmm. like I felt like his character is just like by far my favorite character in the series, right? right. Not when I was a kid. Okay. But um yeah. so like I yeah, I am sort of like agreeing with you in that I don't think that his redemption arc was necessarily like bad. I personally don't have mm. that much, but I'm not like in super invested in this character. So like these people were following the books as they came out and following the movies. Well, no, just following the books as they came out because the movies yeah. follow the books, whatever. Um but so they were speculating like about all this stuff like, oh, what's what's JKR going to do with this character when the next book mm-hmm. comes out? And then, you know, you have so much time, you have the span of years between books or whatever to, to hype yeah. up, to come up with scenarios and like write things that you hope are going to happen. And then when mm-hmm. the thing that comes out doesn't line up with those hopes, then you get disappointed. And then you write fan fiction obsessively and try to fix it and 
vent and cry with all your internet friends about it and you see where <laughs> I'm going, you see how this sort of gets rolling. Um, yeah. Yes. JK Rowling. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> according to, I don't know, the, I guess, Harry Potter fandom, JKR is to an extent kind of to blame for not, uh, for her books not living up to people's expectations. Um, so let me give you the urban deck. Uh, urban Dictionary Definition of a Snape Wife. Um, Love that. Yes. So according to Urban Dictionary, <laughs> Snape Wives are a group of middle-aged women on the internet who believe they are all married to Server Snape from the Harry Potter books on the astral plane. They have real-life meetings. Oh, the meetings. astral plane thing. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. They have real-life meetings where they take turns channeling the spirit of Snape so they can have wedding ceremonies with him. I feel like they take turns. There is infighting. <laughs> Over whom Snape loves more and whether Snape is an emotional wooby who just needs to be loved or a domineering master who lives to be dominant. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Why is it all gotta... Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's what people are into, you know? No kink shaming. Right. Yeah, if you want to have sex on the astral plane, go for it. As long as you listen to our podcast, it's fine. <laughs> yes. Um... So I encountered Snape Wives for the first time uh, through a video essay by Strange Eons. And she was talking about the marriage ceremonies and everything. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to know more. Because uh, I also have a weird interest like Claire, where I'm like, I need to watch these retrospectives, these video essays. Mm -hmm. I need to know. I need to know what the drama was. It's just like fascinating to me. And so from the Strange Eons video, she cites um, this academic paper called Snape Wives and Snapeism, a fiction-based religion within the Harry Potter fandom, and that is by Zoe Alderton. Highly recommend it. Fascinating to read. But when I went to go check out this academic paper, I was expecting them to, for, for Alderton to be, like, psychoanalyzing these women and being like, what is the deal? <laughs> Why are they acting like this? What is wrong with them? Um, you know, maybe a discussion about how, like, this behavior is really batshit. It's really unhinged. Um, <laughs> what I did not expect was that the paper was not a discussion of, oh, my God, look at how crazy these women are. The paper, it expanded my horizons. It expanded Aww. my brain a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so this paper was about how Snapeism, the deification of Snape, the rituals, the complex relationship with this that these women had with this moody Harry Potter professor, objectively speaking, checks the boxes and can be classified as an actual religion, not just yeah. like people being insane. It was also about how Snapeism and the study of Snapeism can be used to inform and enhance the studies of other internet based or new wave or new age or whatever you, you want to call it religions, which I thought was fascinating. And I, I liked, I, I didn't expect someone to take a more like, I don't know, compassionate and sort of like respectful view of like what, what these people were doing. I thought that that was just, I don't know. I was like, oh, okay. So not everybody's here to, to make fun of these people. So, but just to understand how deeply these women felt about Snape, I'm going to read some excerpts from the source just because I want you to understand. To be clear, this is not an invitation um, of harassment. I'm just reading these direct quotes from the source because I want you to like understand like the headspace that they were in. So this is a direct quote from the paper. So unsurprisingly, 
He is the major emotional component of their lives. Uh, one, one woman says she loves Snape more than I have ever loved anyone and would die for him without hesitating. He is an antidote to her life, which is otherwise cruel and pointless. He is her eternal light, the one that made me feel alive. She explains no Cerberus equals no life. She also declares that nothing can end her love for Snape, not even Snape himself, because he is a part of me. With similar passion, this other woman loves him beyond reason, understanding, or comprehension. I'm completely and insanely obsessed. Obsessed. Uh, this other woman asks, have you ever wanted something so badly that you ached from within your very soul for it, that it gnaws at your heart and very being? At times, it brings tears to my eyes, and I find myself trembling from this need. She confesses, I have never experienced anything this intense before now. There are times when I feel that my soul is being torn asunder with this fierce desire. Obsession is a, a mild word for what I feel for Server Snape. Some nights, she even cries out of lust for Snape. She testifies that without him, there is nothing. Life is just nothing. That would be that's very poetic, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> and that should that should be a someone should take that and use it as their wedding vows or something. I mean, they they did. <laughs> they I mean I mean they they married Snape on the astral plane. They they held they had wedding ceremonies where one woman. And to be clear, the wedding ceremonies, most of them didn't actually happen in person. Oh, like over the forums? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like chat probably. Yeah, some of them had the ability to channel Snape where they would sort of like, I mean, I guess the best way I can describe it is like being possessed by Snape. And so one would channel Snape and the other would obviously be the one getting married to Snape. And so they would, mm -hmm. Snape and the wives would exchange vows that way. And so that's how. So it's like really intense method acting. Yes. Or like really intense okay. sort of like role play, obviously with like sexual, you know, desire all up in the mix because that's just kind of part of it. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, there was, um, right, a lot of erotica written. Um, some mm. of it, uh, inspired by their time channeling Snape, like they would, they would channel Snape, and he would give them uh, visions of like you know performing sexual acts, and they would go write it down, and then they would share it amongst themselves, and you know, um, there was oh, man. one who was particularly gifted uh, with channeling Snape, and she had like an office, like office hours set up where it's like, hey. I'm going to be channeling Snape, or at least I'm going to try to channel Snape during this time. If you want to come have some sexy, sexy RP with your hubby, come hang out, come talk in this private channel and we'll get, get your situation solved. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a beautiful story. It shows that there's hope for all men. I know a lot of men think they're unattractive. <laughs> I don't find Snape particularly attractive. So it's something about there's apparently a handful of women who will go to great lengths to have sex with a fictional character. I mean, hey, so. if you got the, if you got the dark hair, if you're broody, you know. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Are they? Are they? Okay. Is this specifically the film portrayal of Snape, or does it have to only yeah. do with the books? So, is it? Their, part of their belief is that Snape is a spiritual being who exists outside of JKR's universe. Okay, and the Snape presented in the books was like JKR was like divinely inspired to transcribe his character, even though she is a flawed interpreter, because remember they don't like his redemption arc oh. and certain, they, okay. they, they hated that she killed him off. 
that was like a big well, stinging point with them. Isn't isn't the whole thing with the astral plane thingy that there's like an infinite sort of realities or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I so think there can be any the- version of Snape, right? Yes, like- and I think the idea is that the the Snape that they're channeling is from a universe in which Snape physically exists. Um, and because right. he is a powerful okay. wizard, he has the ability to astrally project and like stop by, mm. like pop in and visit for a little bit and like mm. hang out with his wives and then go back to wherever he came from. How, how close is the version of Snape that they are obsessed with? How close is that to J.K. Rowling's portrayal of Snape? I think, honestly, from what I've uh, seen, it's pretty pretty darn close there is let me sorry it's it's in the academic paper so through channeling snape they were able to sort of like record aspects of snape's character and behavior which as far as i can tell is is pretty darn like in line with the the actual character in the book and in the films so it says uh, one woman's ability to channel has allowed her to introduce new codes of conduct and beliefs into the group. For example, she announces mm. that Snape despises annoying, giggling fangirls uh, who think they understand <laughs> him. Right. Yeah, as a as a being, as oh sorry, as a cute, fluffy, funny being. As Snape, she also makes clear, <laughs> I only give audience to those women uh, that are strong and able to withstand my fierce temper and do as I say. I coldly ignore those vain, simpering females that hold a thought like a leaky sieve. Thus, she's able to use her channeling to define who is and who is not an appropriate Snape devotee. Oh. Uh, through this woman, Snape declares, I can teach you how to feel, teach you how to think. So that that kind of like character voice, I think, does come through a bit in in the channeling. Though there was a lot of like infighting as to whether or not Snape was like actually that much of a dom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so that was like a big point of contention. Um, That's fair. And caused like some I mean, like fracturing of the group. Maybe it depends on the partner, you know? I don't see him as a dom whatsoever. I don't see him. Yeah. What no. am I saying? Why are we? <laughs> they, they did yeah. sort of like, like I said, there was like some infighting over uh, Snape's character, but they did sort of come to a consensus, much like what Claire said, where they were like, oh, our master is very powerful and he can sort of like fulfill whatever role we need. That sort of a thing. Perfect. Um, so, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. They sort of like <laughs> ease the tensions by, you know, putting out that statement. We're like, okay, here's how we're going to resolve this issue with the group, you know? Um, and then from there, Man, you ever get fine. worried that this is how like religion started? Just saying like just a couple obsessive people huddling around. Like, what does this God do? They probably do all this. Yeah. Cause we like it. I don't know. Well, so the thing is, really, if you look back at religious behavior, <laughs> um, I don't know, like, th- how much you've... Basically, what I'm trying to say is there were definitely medieval nuns that were very into Jesus. Like... Oh, that's uh, so interesting. Like, <laughs> wait. A little bit too I, much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, mm-hmm. I've been... I pulled this up on my phone. This yes. is exactly what you're talking about. Yes. So I read this thing a long time ago. But it sticks with me, and I literally had the quote exactly correct, except I missed the second half of this quote. But this is a quote from Brother Lawrence, who was, like, I think an earlier church father. But he writes in, I think it's a book or an essay called The Practice of the Presence. Um, So this is his quote, and he's talking about 
how he doesn't need like I think he was um uh like a monk you know like he was unmarried couldn't be married you know um so he says I have had such delicious thoughts of the Lord that I'm ashamed to mention them. I was going to bring something up, maybe too personal for the podcast. From a way... Wasn't it talked about in your small group or something? Well, well, yeah. They were always trying to convince me in high school that even if you don't get married, that God can satisfy you sexually and stuff. Which, like, in some ways that's fine, but in other ways it's a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they know... I don't think that means... Like, what does that mean? Like, that's like saying food can satisfy you. Like, what... I think it just, yeah, I think it's supposed to more mean like you can, I think it was supposed to be more like you can live a fulfilled life yeah. without having a sexual partner. But like that kind of quote right here, this guy, this monk or whoever was literally trying to say like, no, I've had like delicious thoughts that I'm ashamed to Lord. mention. Yeah. A little bit, like, yeah. <laughs> but like in a way that he's saying like, well, maybe it's more spiritual than sexual, but like, I don't know. It's like fulfilled or whatever. In a similar, a very similar vein, um, I also watched a separate video essay by Strange uh, Eons where she also talked about uh, specifically uh, queer nuns, like queer medieval nuns. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the nuns that she discussed was this woman who is very similar, actually, very creepy uh, how like similar (laughs) it is. But uh, she claimed that she could channel Jesus Christ. And she would uh, enter this channeling state and then take the time to go around and sexually satisfy the other nuns in her convent because they were all in a certain sort of way married to Jesus, quote unquote. Oh, that's like a direct parallel to the Snape Yeah, that's, yeah, creepy was not the right word to use what I meant. Yeah, I meant like, it's, it's really fascinating how this sort of behavior really isn't anything new. Like, yeah. It's you can look mm-hmm. at it and be like, oh, oh, that's weird. But then there's like past examples of like literally the same thing. I would say it's probably prone to happen even more now based off of how we, yeah. <laughs> you know, isolate ourselves on the Internet and find people that are just like us. Yes. So um, well, potentially, but they were isolated in a nunnery or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a convent. Like, well, they all had the same. Yeah. Convent. Yeah. <laughs> like the same religious beliefs. And do you think anyone wants to fuck a PlayStation 2? Uh, there's people that. For- a forum like that? Yeah, I'm looking for a forum. There's, I mean, if anyone did, they're probably listening to this podcast. Let me know. <laughs> I mean, there's people that like to have sex with their cars. Like that's, That is the thing. I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if there were people that were, like, sexually attracted to, like, their computer or something. I don't know. Sp- specifically the PlayStation 2. Okay. I don't know. You can, specifically Maybe you can find it. I don't know. I'm not going to be looking we'll for it. We'll keep our eyes out for okay. it. But Morgan <laughs> won't, I guess. I won't. I'm on the case. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back next week. That'll be the opening topic next week. Yeah, if you, week, can, if you can find me a video month. essay on yeah. it, I will watch it. Uh, and then... <laughs> Every opening topic is just a strange group of people who want to have sex with yeah. a fictional person or an uh, <laughs> inanimate object. Well, honestly... You might be able to find that for the rest of the games. You I mean, play. we definitely can. There's <laughs> probably 34. more. Yeah, yeah, that's there's not probably be hard. there's probably more. That would be its own podcast. I mean, <laughs> hey, shout out to anyone who wanted to hear about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the end of my uh, my Snape wife uh, ramble. I just wanted to get in that, like, hey, nothing new under the right. sun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think good. it is interesting, though, and I was looking at, I found the article, the, like, re, or, uh, I found the academic article mm-hmm. 
that you pulled up, and it's an independent scholar, but it's published in a religion, yeah. like, journal. I don't know. And I think that it is cool to think about religious beliefs, and I think that a lot of people try and, like, ignore these big spiritual feelings that people have, but, like, everyone has them and just channels them in different ways, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not everyone. I think most people have them, I guess, is probably a better thing to say. But Right. I feel like with like anything and everything a lot of people experience things at like a moderate level and then there's some Mm. people that experience things that like and i know there's a negative connotation with this word and i don't necessarily mean it that way but like at a fanatic level where it's like yeah extra passion extra you know heightened emotions stuff like that um and I, i think a lot of times our society is more focused on you know, moderation, moderate, modest behaviors. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so if there's anything that goes outside that window, we're just like, what do we do with this? Um, Yeah. Well, even in our, I mean, our background of Christianity, like there was a phase where people would wear shirts and have bracelets and stuff that say like, I'm a Jesus freak and wanting to be like more extreme and be like, no, the amount that I like love Jesus is like intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think people would say like, not those exact quotes that you read, but like really similar, like the love I have is so deep and so crazy and I have never felt this way before. Like all of those things are things that people say about Christianity and that's right. considered like a modern accepted religion, you know? Right. Yeah. Or like the, uh, another specific thing, I don't remember the specific quote, but like, you know, the, the the praise and worship music that's like, I want you to like burn through me basically. Like I want yeah. you to set my life on fire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's yeah. not like word Absolutely. for word what they say, but that's definitely a sentiment in like well, legitimate religions. Yeah, no, there is a worship song that literally like one of the biggest part of the chorus is burning everything. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, familiar. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Now that we've had that deep dive into into the human psyche um do you think that most of that is like um not to like diminish it to just being a kid but do you think it's mostly younger people who get like super obsessed i know you said middle age oh yeah no 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 so that was the thing these women were like um they they were married and had like children like like Mm. teenage uh teenage Mm. children so they were like probably in their like 40s and 50s um another interesting thing not all of them, but some of them were in like unfulfilling relationships with their husbands. Yeah, that's kind of what well, I was trying to get. I feel like kids are kind of, I don't know, some depending on the situation, I feel like maybe their unsatisfaction with their life or situation mm, makes them do these obsessive. types of things. Mm. And maybe that would apply to like an unsatisfying marriage. Well, right. Well, I mean, I think a good amount of the Fifty Shades of Grey, like, excitement came from kind of that age bracket of women too yeah so well like it's it's these women that aren't you know they're like past their quote-unquote past their prime they're not represented in media Mm. they don't really get they don't have any socially acceptable outlets for their sexuality for their desires stuff like that so i can kind of understand legitimate dead zone for women i don't know what age most people refer to it as but like it's like uh past like being like a hot thing and then you come back a couple years, like 10 years later as a matriarch. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of like how a lot of like actress roles go. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Kind of sucks. But yeah. So just a thought. Well, and also like as far as like <laughs> young people being fanatic or like having that weird sort of obsessive thing going on, there is like the shifting community on TikTok. I don't know if you guys yeah. have heard of that. Yeah. So that's also have, a young people thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a real thing and intense for sure. Yeah. It kind of feels... 
I don't mean I, real in, as in I believe it, but... Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, get, I get what you mean. It's a, a movement It's a of real sorts. thing, and I, I do it, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it feels like... I mean, it's just escapism, but, yeah. mm-hmm. like, it's kind of weird. Mm, it's, a li- it's a little strange to me to, like, believe in it, like, as it's being... Rea- like, you can totally be a creative writer or just, like like have fun like imagining a different world or whatever as like a means of escapism Mm. but it's a little weird to like insist that it's real well and some of it comes from like oh what are the kinds of dreams that you can control lucid lucid dreams yeah like some of it's lucid dreaming but then they take a step further and then say like no but i actually have another life over there Mm -hmm. and that yeah that feels like a pretty extreme version of escapism Mm mm-hmm so basically, it's not true, but I feel like they could also still enjoy that same thing. Yeah. W- despite it being not true, like mm. just allowing it to be fiction and enjoying it as fiction. Yeah. I yeah. Guess. Celebrate it for for like what it is instead of trying to build it into something it's not. Sort of. Yeah. 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 I wonder well, if people yeah. just like participate in that sort of thing. Not really, but I don't even know. I think there's kids that have maybe some mental illness mm-hmm. or some trauma that yeah, it, like sure. like that's where it gets dangerous and like also that's why they go more extreme with it you know mm-hmm. at least that's my understanding based on the few videos i've watched about it yeah or like to get into that headspace where you can like shift or whatever you have to mm-hmm. sort of like willingly dissociate or like yeah. i don't know isolate yourself to the point where you end up doing that and that's that can be really bad and really dangerous so yeah yeah Anyway, should we talk about the PS2 game now? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I was, because I like, I, we tried to redo the opening topics instead of like going through like, hey, yeah, what's everything we've done this month and what games have we played? We're like, let's just talk about one thing. Yeah. We got to, we got to make this quicker. We can't spend 40 minutes on every introduction. And here we are. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I can't guarantee that every opening topic will be as interesting as this one. I assume that it's my job next week to come up with one. So <laughs> yes, yes. No guarantees. It might be pretty basic. Like, what's uh, what's the best toppings for sandwiches or something? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we find topic. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sandwich are you sexually attracted oh, to? That'll be McChicken. the... McChicken. McChicken. Yeah. Well, yeah, there was well, that you video, might have right? to. You might have to read a um academic article for that though oh okay okay let's get into the the background information on the topic at hand which is in case you have forgotten harry potter and the sorcerer's stone for the ps2 (laughs) um but before we get into the ps2 um adaptation (laughs) of the game or of the of the book i'm going to hit everyone with some very general information about probably one of the most well-known franchises in existence Um, So Harry Potter is an immensely popular book series written by the now controversial J.K. Rowling. The series spanned five... I struggle with numbers, even (laughs) when I write them out. Um, The series spanned seven books over the course of ten years, with the first book being Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, released in 1997. The Harry Potter series is far and away the number one best-selling book series of all time. As of 2017, the Harry Potter book series is sitting at over 500 million copies sold. Second place is actually Goosebumps with 350 million, so a pretty giant gap between number one and number two. I don't know how this could ever be topped, honestly. It feels Mm -mm. like, like, not to say that kids don't read anymore, but, like, is there ever going to be, like, a book series that is this, like important to like 
popular culture again? Mm, I don't likely know. Likely not. It would have to be like a young adult suit, like targeting the same demographic, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it, after Harry Potter ended, there was um, Percy Jackson, Witch and Wizard. Um, I'm trying to think of... There were like Hunger a Games. few different... Oh, Hunger Games. There's a few different book series that people would be like, this is the next Harry Potter. This is the yeah. next Harry Potter. And it never was. Like, it couldn't even come close, you know? Mm-hmm. Man, that would be like so annoying to like... Because like Hunger Games is like nothing like Harry Potter, you know? Aside from like yeah. potentially appealing to the same maybe... Well, not Demogra- even like the same yeah. age bracket, but like, you know... Yeah. But yeah, that would suck to be like, ha, we're shoving your book under this h- huge cultural monolith is monolith's shadow. Deal yeah, with it. Yeah, <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. Uh, number one is Harry Potter. Number two is Goosebumps. Number three is Perry Mason. What? What is that? It's uh, it's apparently a, uh, it went from 1933 to 1973. Oh. Oh. It's 82 books or uh, installments. Okay. I don't know exactly how it was released. Plus four short stories. Well, that does make me want to change my statement. Maybe it could happen again. You know what? Because if a book that we've never, ever heard of is number three most selling book series. But that's like past. I'm talking about like... Future. I know, but like... I don't know. I, I It's hard for me to believe there's so many other things. There's so many other like very accessible avenues of entertainment that I feel like getting people to all go towards the same like piece of like a book or something would be difficult potentially i don't know berenstein bears number four shout out to berenstein bears <laughs> also not to be like overly spiteful but you know just looking at the shit uh jkr is pulled and all that crap i hope mm-hmm, i hope mm-hmm. somebody uh <laughs> comes up with the next yeah. big thing and beats her out you know what i mean <laughs> that would be good guys diary of Wimpy kid is number six on the list <laughs> Oh, I never read so those. So it's possible. So that's, it's possible. Yeah. But that's like that's true. That is the most that is like the most recent thing up here. Hmm. Percy Jackson's on the list, but it's a little bit lower down. Yeah. And I wonder if that includes like every because there was like a couple spin-off series, I think. Mm. Well, it but those were called different things. Twilight's on here. <laughs> I don't, it's a little bit further down <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh but yeah, I mean most of the things you would expect to be on here are on here. Like a lot of children's books that had like hundreds of entries. Yeah. Hunger Games made it. I wonder what the biggest list on here with the least installments is. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. God dang it. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's just... Well, that's only three books. Three books. And Fifty yeah. Shades yeah. was Twilight fan fiction, so... That's true. <laughs> if you if you lump those two together, they may overtake Harry yeah. Potter. Um, anyway, this podcast is like a train <laughs> that has, like... It's just on skates. There's no, like, locking mechanism to keep it from getting derailed. Like it's the just, part on Polar Express where they have to go across yeah, the ice? This this podcast is the part of Polar Express where they're on the ice. <laughs> oh, no. So they're constantly derailed. It's okay. The, the what are they? The caribou will come soon. Yeah, caribou. <laughs> That's the only part of the show I remember. I just remember the ghost man on the train roof. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, ghost man. Oh, what about that part where he pulled his beard and he went, ow? You remember that? That was with the caribou. With the caribou, oh. yeah. That part hurt me for some reason. Um, like, that seems so painful. The puppets really freaked me out. It's a scary movie. Wild movie. Um, Wild game too. We got to play that eventually. Oh, I've seen gameplay of that. It's a it's a winner. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should get my sister on for that one because that's her favorite movie. <laughs> that's her favorite. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. 
Anyway, <laughs> film adaptation did also exceedingly well. Um, it's not the best-selling film or the best, highest-grossing is seems to be how like films are judged. Um, it's not the highest-grossing film of all time or film series of all time, but it's uh it's on the list. It's like I think it's number three. I don't know. Why I didn't put it on here. Currently sits above nine billion dollars uh, total gross, uh, <laughs> making it one of the highest-grossing film franchises of all time. Wow. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two is the highest-grossing film of that series followed by the Sorcerer's Stone. So they'll be the end and the beginning mm. the best. Uh, I keep wanting to say at the box office, it probably includes more than just the box office. So, mm. Fun fact, Morgan and I went to the midnight screening of Deathly Hollows Part yeah. 1. Oh, really? Got a t-shirt yeah, thrown Mor- at us. We got a t-shirt Morgan kept. Oh, wow. I still yeah. have it. And wore for a while. You do? Yeah. Aw. It's at my mom's house right now, though, but yeah, I, I have it. When was that? 2010? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. We were in junior high, right? I think. Yeah, we definitely were because I remember you wearing it like... Let's say 2010. And we were in the junior high. Yeah. Like the next day or something. All right. Moving on to the video game adaptation. There were a handful of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stones versions released over the early 2000s. A total of five versions were released. Uh, but this particular version of the game... For the PSG was developed by Warthog Games and published by Electronic Arcs. Arcs. God damn it. Um, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I really thought that this was a Harry Potter studio because it was Warthog. Like, I was expecting to look into this and find out that they were making Harry Potter games because it's just Hogwarts. Oh, uh, that's, that's so um, funny. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's a Harry Potter team. Uh, it's not. In fact, they only made this game uh. for Harry Potter, as far as Harry Potter games go. Warthog Games was founded in 1997 by a handful of ex-Electronic Arc employees and developed a total of 19 games before going defunct in 2006. Majority of their work was video game adaptations of well-known IP, including Star Trek, Looney Tunes, and Battlestar Galactica, among others. Despite being based off the first book in the Harry Potter series, the PlayStation 2 version of Sorcerer's Stone was released one year after The Chamber of Secrets, so I mentioned in the previous episode that I thought that was the case, and I was correct. Um, a lot of people criticized this game upon its release for its reuse of a lot of the assets from Chamber of Secrets, hmm. which is interesting. It wasn't developed by the same team, but they still reused like all their assets and stuff. So huh. it's interesting how that yeah. works. Um, most people prefer Chamber of Secrets to Sorcerer's Stone. They kind of see Sorcerer's Stone as like a downgraded version of chamber of secrets there's a couple improvements i believe to like load times and graphics allegedly although some people are like this looks worse somehow (laughs) yeah it seems like you could do less in this version as well i believe in chamber of secrets you can like fly around the whole castle and stuff that sounds right but yeah not in this game or can you i don't even know i i thought i saw someone flying around on a broomstick outside of the uh like mission where you fly around on a broomstick but maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong there anyway as far as like legacy past this game harry potter video games would continue to be released alongside the films up until the release of deathly hollows part 2 for the ps3 xbox 360 and wii um and harry potter games would become somewhat sparse after that Mm. i don't think that there was any home console release of note there was like a couple of connect games for the xbox 360 (laughs) (laughs) that sounds right Um, yeah, but like nothing, nothing substantial. The upcoming release of Hogwarts Legacy, uh, that's going to be developed by Port Key Studios, 
and they've been in charge of a couple mobile games up until this point. The most notable one being uh, Wizards Unite, which was the Pokemon Go clone yeah. by the same developers. I don't know if you remember this, Morgan. It was like walk around. Did you play this? I downloaded it. Okay. I think I downloaded it too, but I hadn't read Harry Potter at that point, so I don't think I really <laughs> yeah, you, you, comprehended what was happening. You had to use your phone to move your finger in different ways to cast the spells oh. to capture different monsters, and it was kind of a Fantastic Beasts situation. Uh-huh. Interesting. Also, Portkey, that's a Harry Potter thing. That studio's name. Yeah. That is Potter a Harry Potter thing. thing. I think that they're exclusively Harry Potter. Okay. So I think that it's a Warner Bros. studio. Yeah. Although it's not a bad name if you were going to, like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it works. It could be another. That's like an Xbox thing. Xbox names a lot of their studios after their franchises. Hmm. Um, hmm. Like the Gears studio is called The Coalition, which is, I think, a faction within Gears of War. Interesting. Uh, they got 343, which is 343 Guilty Spark from Halo. <laughs> so... It's a little strange. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, I guess it's cute. You know, they're developing the game or whatever. Morgan, I'm curious if you've seen anything about Hogwarts Legacy. So or um, okay. the only things that I have seen uh, have been a lot of very angry, angry critiques about um, the story elements of the game and how it is like an anti-Semitic sort of like story (gasps) trope thing that they got going on. Well, that's, are they, are they just criticizing the fact that it's involving the goblins? So I could be misunderstanding entirely what's going on, but it was my understanding that the plot was about putting down a goblin uprising. Yeah. And that there is like, um, I've seen the whole, is it Blood LaBelle? Is that how you say that? I don't know how that word is pronounced. I uh, want to say it's pronounced Blood LaBelle. There's a, um, a, a, an anti-Semitic trope, uh, which is about Jewish people supposedly kidnapping and using babies for blood sacrifices or something. And the game uh, supposedly ties into that somehow. I don't know how. This is just what I've heard. Hmm. Um, is that based off of the game's, like, own, like lore that they're creating or adding to the universe or is that just like pre-established stuff that they're working with i d- i you know don't what i mean i don't know because <laughs> yeah, i think I that know. the gate i mean jk rowling was criticized about yeah her that's what i was gonna goblins. say is people have been criticizing jk rowling about the goblins well yeah well because like they're like greedy money hoarders quote-unquote and they have like the right. long hook noses so you look at that the and nose, you're like well this yeah. seems kind of sketchy jkr yeah. Um, so I don't know. I've just seen the take that people don't want J.K. Rowling to get any more money. That too. Yeah. Uh, I get it. If you really hate J.K. Rowling, then I wouldn't buy the game. But it's... I don't think that she's really involved with it outside of... She gets a bunch of royalties. She gets money. Stuff. I'm just yeah. saying, like, in the creation of this hmm. thing. Probably not. No, I'm... Yeah. I don't know if she's involved with it in that aspect. <laughs> J.K.R. lead game designer. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me because I like Harry Potter. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and you didn't get to grow up liking it. I feel like that's different. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I also don't pay attention to all the stuff. Yeah. All the stuff. I don't really know what happened, or is happening, or will happen. <laughs> I. <laughs> he he literally exists in a void. How dare you yeah, not be I, omniscient? I, all I know is the PlayStation Two. Right. That's all. Um. 
I don't expect the game to get... I'm, I'm waiting for reviews on this game, but I do not expect it to be reviewed fair, like, detached from this criticism, like, the controversy around J.K. Rowling at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of low scores and a lot of overcompensation from people who, like, either side of this thing. Like, I'm sure there's people who are going to be like, this is the best game ever because mm. I hate Twitter or I hate outrage culture or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's, I think that like a lot of outlets aren't even like covering the game as far as I'm aware. I think that was a stance maybe the IGN took or like Kotaku or something like where they're they're just not going to talk about the game. Interesting. I can't remember which place did it. There's some people who have done it. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, are you, are you interested in the game? I, I it's not been on my radar now. I don't really know anything about it. I'm a little worried about it. It looks a little generic. I think the idea of exploring like a, like a really detailed Hogwarts is fun. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah. And if it yeah. did that well, then maybe I'd get it later. But I, I s- don't I have I still hopes. think if you want that, Lego Harry Potter made the best <laughs> Hogwarts. That's the only one you need. Is that on the PS2? I maybe think there might be it. some that's the, on the PS2. That's the only way I can play games is if they're on the PS2 right. and we do it for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we bought Lego Harry Potter for, like, the Switch or something. Yeah, I have yeah. a weird thing with Lego games where they make me sleepy. I don't know how to describe this, but, like, every time <laughs> I've tried to play a Lego game, this happened when we tried Lego to play Batman. Lego Batman that yeah. one time. I fell asleep multiple times. Oh, no. When we tried to play it, when I tried to play Harry Potter with with me, yeah. with you, I was just, like, he hate, sleepy. He, yeah. he was like, I can't do this. I don't know why, like... I love the Lego games. Is it games. because it gives you it's like so childhood cool. warm and fuzzies and you're like, oh, time for my nappy. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, makes me sleepy. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'll review that one with Morgan and you can take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll sleep through the whole podcast and you can talk about it with Morgan. Um, I don't think it's on the PlayStation 2 though. I kind of want to say it's just the two Lego Star Wars games. Oh, those are fun too, though. Yeah, those are great. We played all these on the Wii when I was a kid, but... Oh, yeah. Where are we? Okay, yeah. What's our personal history with the franchise? Uh, I think we've kind of said this a little bit already, but just to reiterate, uh, I wasn't involved in the series or with the series in any way really up until like, uh, like I don't know when it was, like six months ago? Maybe a year ago. Maybe a year ago. I listened to all the books through Audible and I'm like, these are great. I love them. Uh, I'd been relatively spoiler three I, or free. Uh, I'd seen the first movie and I'd read the first book and I made it like halfway through the second book. So that's years ago. Yeah. That's yeah. like all that I had going into it. Yeah. Cause I bothered you to try and read them. Mm-hmm. Cause I, the first time I ever read a page of Harry Potter, I think I might've been like mm, fourth or fifth grade, maybe third but I was sitting in the back seat of my parents' minivan and my mom was sitting in the middle seat, like in between me and probably my brother in the back bench seat. And she was like ravenously finishing the seventh book. And I leaned over and I think I read something about like Albus Severus or something like, but nothing that made sense to me. But I was like reading over her shoulder for like these final scenes that I I ended up having no memory of them. But I was like, mom, this book is really good. And she's like, yeah, but you can't be reading this part. And so then like a few weeks later, I started the first book and then I tore through them. And, you know, I hinted at being on Tumblr, like being part of, I kind of 
guess like the Potterhead fandom, but definitely like going deep into reading all the fan theories and head canons and all that. I I've never been into fan fiction, but I think I could have been at that time mm-hmm. pretty intensely. And then Clayton and I's um, childhood youth pastor told me that I couldn't marry Clayton if he hadn't read the Harry Potter series. But I did do that because he hadn't read them by the time we got married. That's true. Still haven't read them, depending on how you look at audiobooks. So. <laughs> oh, I think audiobooks is reading. It's the closest I'm going to get. Um, <laughs> you also listen to that podcast. Oh, I, yeah. I listened to, for a couple years, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which takes a chapter of Harry Potter a week and um, talks about it as if it's a holy book, like a holy text, and they do different spiritual practices with it. And I really, really liked it. And then I just kind of, they got through, you know, all seven books and then restarted and I started listening to the first book again and I kind of was just burnt out by that Mm -hmm. point. But it was really good. That's what's going to happen whenever we finish the PlayStation 2 library. We're just going to restart. Go through it all again. Yeah, start with the, oh man, the launch. No, no. Not Fantavision. Don't do that to me. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah, I also started reading the books probably around fourth or fifth grade. I remember Mm -hmm. I got through the first four of them pretty quickly. Um, I got to the fifth one, had a major hang up. Just, th- just like the fifth one was like a huge roadblock for me. I just got so bored with that one for some reason. I think it was mm-hmm. just that book is like oppressive. So that kind of yeah, makes just sense. because yeah, it's, it's really slow. It's, it's like it's big to carry yeah, around. It's the longest. It's like one, they can't I'm do anything sure. in the book. Like, <laughs> like in the book, like Harry and his people. Yeah. It's like they're just stuck and they can't do anything. Yeah. The whole book. Um, yeah. So I abandoned that one. I've actually never read the entirety of the fifth book. Um, what? Yeah, I never never got through that one, but I watched the movie, had enough like plot knowledge to move on like quite a while later and read through the sixth one and then finish out the sixth and the seventh one. So, mm-hmm. Whoa, wait, you should read the fifth one. The though. fifth one is probably up there for satisfying uh, I, Okay, <laughs> well, the movie was cool. Probably because it's so painful to yeah. get through. Well, yeah. It's just crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, I just remember like <laughs> the, the beginning of the fifth one just was a real slog to read through for me yeah. at the time and i just oh yeah because the trial Dumbledore hates harry yeah the trial <laughs> shtick and uh, yeah i couldn't Dumbledore's like not talking yeah. to harry the whole yeah. time i'm pretty sure it's that's savannah's all-time favorite book mm-hmm. yeah because she relates to like the sadness and the frustration of harry the whole time oh she used to read it and say like whenever she felt distant from god she would like read it and stuff hmm. so Anyway, interesting. Is the God analogy Dumbledore? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. At that time. I guess so. He's... Is he perfect? No. Is he, like, meant to feel like no. a perfect character? No. no. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, I think I was like, he's awesome and he did no wrong, but now you read it and you're like, no, this guy definitely could have just, like, told people a little more information. <laughs> I mm, I, I have very strong after rereading the first book I have very strong feelings about some of the stuff that was going on um, just like as an adult with an adult's perspective I'm just like what mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway yeah it's hard for me because I don't know how to like the ending of the whole series the seventh book to me is weird I don't know well, because like, it's, it's not even at sc- at the school you know, you've been spending time at this school for six years with Harry, and then all of a sudden you're not at the school anymore. It's like, where's my home? 
Oh, have my whole mm-hmm. yeah. I love it though. That's my favorite yeah. one. When yeah, COVID hit, favorite. when COVID hit, I read the seventh book for comfort. Yeah, like that was what I went back to. Mm-hmm. Well, we were listening to the fifth book, and you got glimpses of that, and then you're like, "I'm just going to read the fifth fifth book." Like, oh yeah, starting off, and then you skipped six, which I think is see six was the one that I really liked. Me. I really liked six for some reason. Six is. I like one six, but favorites. seven is just my favorite. I love camping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love camping. Horror camping. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, because there's a, when do you consider the shift in tone to be? Probably not. Because uh, there's like an obvious. Definitely. So I think the third one, because like the first mm-hmm. two books are about the same size, same length, same sort of like, oh, it's little kids. The third yeah. one gets a little bit more serious, but the fourth one where somebody gets killed and then you're like, oh, yep. shit. Voldemort's yeah. back. That's definitely yeah, the shift. I would, yeah, I would say mid-third it starts to get like darker or mm-hmm. whatever. I would say even the beginning of the fourth where they oh, were like yeah. tormenting and like contorting the body of like a muggle. Yeah. Like, oh just, yeah, the poor groundskeeper guy or whatever that they kill. Yeah, it was like the groundskeeper and his, his family or something, I yeah. think. It gets pretty intense. And that was pretty wild because it was like, hey, you know, it's like a hundred pages in. It's like, you know, you're all, it's a, it's a while into the book, I think. Uh, it's just the Quidditch tournament. It's all happy and stuff. Yeah. And then suddenly terrorism broke out. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your preparation looking like? So I uh, played through the game, completed the game. I think I had uh, maybe like 70% completion. I had enough points to win the House Cup. And then mm-hmm. I read the first book, watched the first movie again. Um, and I actually went ahead and read through the second book too because I was just in the mood. So that's like on the brain. <laughs> I was worried that was going to happen to me yeah. too. Like after I finished the first book, I'm like, am I going to go back into the second yeah. book? But <laughs> well, you just got a few more and then you can read the fifth book. Morgan. That's true. I have yet to crack open <laughs> the true. third one just because it's like a bit thick and it's kind of intimidating. So <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you could skip it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you're an audiobook person, but like the person they had do the audio mm. or do the reading for the audiobooks is it's really good it's like it's an like, award-winning audio oh wow like seriously oh, yeah. pretty sure it's yeah it's really good but yeah so for me uh i played through the game once uh and i was sitting at 57 percent completion before the final boss um could you save after the final boss i i don't know if yeah. you could or if i just didn't do yeah it. i think so because after the final boss i'm pretty sure it gave you time to go and redo any of the dungeons if you wanted so you could get enough points to win the house cup if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, I think I just didn't save. Oh, okay. I just I just saved before the final boss finished the game, and I was like, that's yeah. it. Uh, but I was sitting at 57% completion before then. I did win the House Cup, but I didn't. I don't know how I got points exactly. I just got all the potion ingredients. That was the only thing I knew that I was doing to contribute to the point oh, total. Oh, okay. Do you want me to explain that now, or I can explain that? Okay. Yeah. So how did the points yeah. So work? how the points worked was so anytime you would go into like a dungeon for one of your classes, do you remember the little like Hogwarts seals? Tokens? Yeah, the little tokens yeah. that you could pick up. Yeah. So the more tokens you picked okay. up, the higher your grade would be that the professor would right. give you. The higher your grade, the more points you were awarded for completing the dungeon. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that my grade was linked to the points that I would receive. Yes. Okay. It was. So I reread the first book as well, and I rewatched the first movie. And I was just listening to it in the background while I was writing all this stuff. <laughs> I think the first movie is my favorite movie. 
Interesting. Personally. Let's get into some of these very important, these are like screening questions that we do an hour into the podcast. So people can kind of get like a feel for you. Um, of the four houses, this is again like astrology for, actually I was going to say the team and tea thing was kind of like astrology yeah. as well <laughs> of like which turtle you are. This is, I think, a more intense astrology. Claire, I'll let you go first. What house do you belong to or what house do you believe that you belong to? I believe that I belong to Hufflepuff. Most people think that I would be in Ravenclaw, but um, I always felt like that wasn't quite right. I mean, in some ways it could be right. I could be in Ravenclaw, but I took the Pottermore quiz and what's important on that quiz is you pick what you value and I valued friendship and loyalty over like gaining knowledge. And I'd say that is true for who I am and how I live my life. And I also just think if I like think about like the common rooms, I would rather be close to the kitchen and warm and cozy and hanging out with plants than up in the tower where it's like windy and eagles and stuff. Mm -hmm. So Hufflepuff is where I, where I have landed. And do you, were you assigned Hufflepuff? Yeah. Okay. What about a Patronus? Well, I've tried to look it up. I took the Pottermore Patronus quiz, but I must have deleted that note. Or maybe it's like saved oh, I in didn't the realize other notes a, section. I didn't realize there but, was a test for that. Yeah. I don't know. That I guess feels I too limiting, though. Like how they couldn't possibly account for every animal. No. Mm -mm. Like what if I wanted to be a betta fish? The most, I mean, it might be the most interesting but I, I saw someone get was a swan. I was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know what I would be. What do you feel akin to? I don't know. Come back to me. I'm going to let okay, you guys Okay, yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll go then. Let me uh, think. Morgan, how about you? What house do you believe that you belong to? So before I took any sort of quiz, and that was like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I bet I'm like Ravenclaw or something because I was like... I wasn't a good student. What am I saying? <laughs> well, we were told we were, we were told we were good the, students. The, we were told we were the gifted, yeah, gifted little kiddos. <laughs> so I was like, I bet I'm a Ravenclaw. Um, right, and same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my teachers didn't lie to us. <laughs> we were not in the gifted program. Hey, we were put in a special class for three years. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's how our friendship <laughs> grew. Great. But then, so I've taken the official uh, house quiz twice. I took it once when I was a kid, and then I took it once uh, post-graduated college, and as a working <laughs> class adult. Um, so the first time I took the quiz when I was a kid, I got Hufflepuff, okay? Which, yeah, I get it. Kitchen, cozy, friendship, love, all that. After I graduated college, I took it again. Uh, I got Slytherin. So yeah. <laughs> something mm -hmm. drastic no, happened yeah. to me <laughs> in like, those few years. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Honestly, being a jaded adult um, just does that to you a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we should have met, discussed this before we jumped into the houses. But like, how do you define each of the houses? I guess you first, Morgan. Well, like. so here's the thing. Uh, I have a hang up with JKR's characterization and world building a little bit because she oh, lacks yeah. nuance. Um, her, her, uh, like morality as she presents it in the book is a lot of black and white, at least for the, mm. for the first couple books, definitely. So obviously Slytherin, uh, Slytherin is evil. It's the evil house. It's the racist house. It's the bullies in the, they are the, the racist house. And the yes. ruthless ones. <laughs> um, I just think that, 
I see Slytherin as like ambitious. Um, Cunning is how I I think ambition can be good and bad. Um, So yeah, I I see it as mainly the ambitious house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that I I agree with you. It's one of my biggest problems with it as well is just that this house, this is a house full of clearly evil kids and no one seems to notice or care. (laughs) Um, all signs point to evil. Only evil people come... Like, all evil people are Slytherin. Yeah, they come from this house. <laughs> it's very strange. Their, their common room is down in the dungeons where they belong. Like, just, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to... Yeah, like... My, my argument for it is that we see this during the time period that Harry Potter is set, which is, like, this post and pre-Voldemort time. And, like, it's almost like the... Um, society they're living in has put that on Slytherin, yeah. but we don't ever really get to see, like, like I guess we see the Marauders' time a little bit, but even then, I don't know. Like, they don't like Snape, but I don't know if all of Slytherin at that at that time was like the evil kids. Right. You know what I mean? And so I would be super interested to know if like that would change, like the time period would change anything, because obviously, like after Voldemort fell the first time, everyone was like oh, now we know who everyone, like, like the evil people are, and then they kind of banded together, but they kept existing in society, and so Slytherin kind of, like, had that as part of it. One of, one of the sucky things about um, th- the way JKR developed Slytherin's, like, history was, oh, the founder was Salazar Slytherin, and he was the racist one that yeah. was like, oh, we can't, we should have pure-blooded mages in our pure school. Blood. So that yeah. sucks. Um, but I do think yeah. that's a good point. That's true. That's a good also, point. Also, question. Did Grindelwald come from Slytherin or was did he even come from Hogwarts? I think he... No, he went to a different okay. school, I okay. think. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to he see was, if there was... He maybe... Connection. Oh, no. He went to Durmstrang. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was the... Mm-hmm. Because Karkaroff recognized the symbol that had been carved into the, like, the, the dorms in Durmstrang, the like... Um, oh. The Death Eaters. Deathly Hallows okay. symbol. Oh, Deathly Hallows. Okay, Hallows. interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that exploring like a different time period for the Slytherin house where they don't have that baggage mm-hmm. or as much baggage would be really cool. Um, but yeah. yeah. I also think like there's a lot of, I think the thing that would have been cool to explore also, but like maybe it doesn't make sense within the Harry Potter series is that there is a lot of overlap between houses because like loyalty is supposed to be a Hufflepuff thing, but it's also supposed to be a Gryffindor thing. And, like, bravery is very similar to, like, a lot of, like, that would would be the main Gryffindor thing, like, bravery, but that's very similar to a lot of the Slytherin Mm -hmm. things. And then my roommate in undergrad um, came up with this goofy theory one night, but she was like, the pursuit of knowledge is power. Therefore, Ravenclaws are just Slytherins because all they want is power. And it was like, oh, that's kind of yeah, fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's just like these overlaps mm-hmm. within them. I definitely link Hufflepuff and Gryffindor as being kind of close and uh, Slytherin and Ravenclaws being kind of close for oh. that reason specifically. Um, that just kind of made sense in my head. I wish that the Voldemort thing was if I feel like if the Voldemort thing was handled different differently, mm-hmm. that would have led to maybe, or if Harry had like a Slytherin friend, right. or something, <laughs> or if, like if there was some positive interaction, yeah, with any of the Slytherin students that wasn't just oh they're bullying us again and and saying racist mm-hmm. slurs at my best friend. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm totally down for like the the thing of like this is from Harry's perspective and he doesn't like Slytherin at the start. Mm-hmm. But if that change, I feel like if that changed through like towards the end, I'd be down for like his previous interpretation of well, hating them. It's supposed to change because at the very end he tells Albus Severus like you're named after two of the bravest men I ever knew and one of them was from Slytherin. So really. There was that attempt made for Harry's mind to change. But I mean, like, yeah. Can we list all the good Slytherin real quick? We have Snape. Snape is Slug Snape corn. is also kind of questionable because the way that he treats these children is just like you are yeah, acting like true. a loser. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not a hundred percent good, but <laughs> but he is good. Like in he, his heart, he's good. Like he's on. He's, yeah, he's fighting. He ultimately, he's does not the right thing. on Voldemort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Slughorn is. Another. Didn't Slughorn? Slug. I like Slughorn. Didn't a lot. Slughorn like betray them at the last second though, and like yeah, no. no. I what? thought he wait, did. Wait, did he? He fought for Hogwarts. Oh, I thought he like rallied the Slytherin students at like the last second. Was like, yeah, we're gonna help the Death Eaters. Here we go. No, I could have read no. that really wrong. He was just a little. He was just a little complicated okay. because he was. He's definitely like he was. He was a like his like. Little he was a schmoozer. Balls, or he was a schmoozer. Yeah. 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 No, he's definitely a schmoozer. But no, I'm pretty sure that he was helping fight, like with with the oh, Hogwarts okay. people against the Death Eaters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does Draco ultimately turn out okay? I don't remember. He does, but he's still kind, kind of, of his, yeah. him and his parents. They just leave. I think. I would say that Draco and like all the Malfoys they end up still believing that like family and love is more important than like than like Voldemort's plan mm. and so i would say that puts them more on the good side okay because it's all about like um like um narcissa's love for draco that like she named and stuff, her narcissa you know? sorry again i have issues with some of her <laughs> yeah. choices uh <laughs> you're right no yeah some of it's on the nose yeah but like as a kid i didn't get no. that you know yeah you don't notice yeah I, w- I wish in my head that there was some sort of rewriting of Draco's character mm-hmm. to yeah. eventually join like Harry's posse. I felt like that was gonna happen, like, like a Zuko mm-hmm. thing. Like, oh, yeah, our, our bully turns into our weird friend. We just kind of adopt him and give him some love, and then he turns out okay. <laughs> well, after like, after I was anticipating it to happen in the seventh book, mm-hmm. like after. Voldemort like abuses his whole family right. and him. Yeah, that, like no, it's set up for that for sure. Yeah. yeah, but then it didn't really happen. He was still kind of. Well, Clayton, I'll say it again. I think you're the target audience for the cursed child. <laughs> I didn't I like so. it, but oh yeah, I didn't like that from what I read about it. I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, like read the whole thing. Okay, maybe I think you'll... there's problematic elements, but I do think that there's some elements in there that. That is the screenplay about Harry's kids, right? Well, it's a it's a stage play. Stage play. There's yeah, one very kids. specific thing about it that bothers me very much, but I don't want to spoil it for Clayton oh. if he doesn't know. <laughs> is it Harry's for? Is it or is it their kids' like first year? Like what no, is, it's it's Albus Severus's year. Yeah, like his first. Yeah. And it's just that. Uh, or is there no. more? No. <laughs> so is it a whole series? No, it's just one play. I can't tell you more. Okay, so it's just okay. It's just a one-off, is what I'm saying. Like it's not. Yeah, it's it's a one-off. It's not like oh, here's Albus Severus's whole seven-year journey at Hogwarts no, no. or whatever. Okay. Okay, maybe I'll 
I, I, I think my parents have it, so we can. Does Jim it. Dale read that book as well? Because then I'll listen oh, to it. I don't know. So what? What do we? So Gryffindor's brave, Hufflepuff is loyal, Ravenclaw's it's more uh, intelligent. Intelligent Slytherin is ambitious. Yeah, is the word we decided on. Yeah. I always saw them as cunning, which I guess is that too. You could lump in there maybe as a secondary am- character. I think ambitious is less uh negatively like with less negative connotation i don't see i feel like cunning has both i mean it's like a being cunning can be a good thing yeah you're crafty yeah it can be i i see it i mean maybe that's fitting for slytherin is that it's perceived poorly that's true that's true (laughs) but like but it's a bit more neutral than what it is now which is brave loyal smart and racist (laughs) um so morgan and i both said ours so you have to say yours so I always saw myself as a Slytherin yeah, because I perceived them in a sort of like, like a cunning sort of thing. <laughs> I didn't really feel like Hufflepuff made sense. Ravenclaw is like the furthest thing from me. Um, <laughs> and Gryffindor, I don't know if Brave is like my defining characteristic as a human. Um, I think it's brave to not smile and interact with the YMCA photographer. <laughs> I don't know. It is kind of. <laughs> it could be anything. It could be. It could but be it's... loyal, intelligent, or cunning. No, it it's be... kind of more aloof, which feels like Slytherin. Yeah. No, I was doing it intentionally. I mean. <laughs> yeah, but I think you were. Yeah, you can be intentionally. Aloof. I was abusing the situation with my cunning. I don't know. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I as we discussed, it's the house of evil racist kids. So. <laughs> well, two out of three right now are falling there. So. I guess. Um, when I took the test it made me gryffindor though so See, right we did that recently yeah okay. i remember when i was a, even when i was a kid and i was taking the test i remember being like oh, i hope i don't get gryffindor because i had it in my head like that's the basic bitch house i don't want to be in there that's a lame <laughs> house yeah <laughs> well I you think don't want gryffindor <laughs> there were a lot of kids that wanted to be in the past and then it kind of turned to like well but now everyone yeah. is yeah like, you don't want to be gryffindor i want to be special yeah. <laughs> exactly what do you think? Gryffindor is probably the most populated house, right? I mean, it's what we get the... Not in the story. Oh. I mean, like, in the fandom. Oh, like. I don't. Maybe. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think Hufflepuff I might be, if I had to guess. Yeah. Really? Hufflepuff was always, like, the lamest in your to me. eyes. It's it's changed well, now. I don't know. It even s- Everything except Slytherin is It lame. even says, in the little rhymey thing about the school students, it says, you know, like, oh, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, we'll take these specific students, and Hufflepuff was like, I don't know, we'll just take the rest of them. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Welcoming. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but also makes it feel like your students are just, like, leftovers. Like, I don't know, that doesn't feel very special. But that feels like true to my experience okay Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair (laughs) (laughs) all right uh patronus dog i think dog would be cool greyhound german shepherd i don't know which one a mix yeah a mix morgan what about you when i took the quiz uh i didn't take the quiz as an adult just as a kid i got a cat which is very i think on brand yeah that's cool Uh, but if i got to pick mine or if it was like a reflection of like my personality i think it would be like a raccoon or like a wolverine or a honey badger or something that looks yeah. i have something mm-hmm. that looks small and relatively non-threatening but will throw hands if you get too close i, like I also that. had yeah that's good or maybe a really angry goose <laughs> which would be hilarious yes. that'd be the best patronus yeah. what were the patroni <laughs> um what was what was ron and hermione do you remember i think hermione's was a little dog maybe why do i feel like someone had an otter badger? 
Yes, one's might have been. Maybe Hermione's was an otter. Because I remember them getting lamer. <laughs> like Harry's was a stag, yeah. which is which like is cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and then they got pretty lame. I just I'm looking it up. I love the idea of casting oh, a, pat- okay. a Patronus, and then like I said, like a raccoon, where it's like a rat. <laughs> it's just like this, like little like annoying thing. Yeah, he's flying yeah. out of your wand. Um, <laughs> Hermione's was an otter, okay. and then Ron's was a Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> That's actually really yeah. funny. It's like a little <laughs> <Yeah>. yappy dog. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what mine would be, honestly. And I can't remember what the quiz was. Could it be like a like a cow? Like, that would be funny. Just really yeah. huge. <laughs> yeah. A blue whale like a r- takes up the whole yeah. freaking room. <laughs> just like swimming in it. You can't see anything. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it would be really inspiring. Yeah. That would be a very effective AOE That's right there. true, yeah. Just throw down a whale, anyone in the radius, yeah. anyone inside the whale. Oh, I love effective. that. I love that strat. <laughs> yeah, let's, okay. let's bring Jim along for the raid because he has the big whale Patronus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> would it be like a, oh, what is it? Like a, would it be ironic? Like it would be a, like a really tiny kid has the beluga whale. Oh, that would be good. Patronus. Yeah. yeah. So before we get into the adaptation of the story within the PlayStation 2 game, uh, let's talk about our general thoughts and feelings on the book and the movie. Yeah. Am I still supposed to be here? Yeah, you could be here for this part. And oh, okay, after okay. this, it's probably it. <laughs> Morgan, I know that you were taking some notes as you were reading yes. the book. Uh, let me scroll down and find them because I have some hangups. Okay. So uh, the password system of the portraits... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, hey, man, uh, you need two-factor authentication. (laughs) Yeah. You say the password, and then we have to, I don't know, phone a friend or something. Right. Um, Which, I mean, I don't know if the portraits, like, recognize if you're, like, one of their house kids or not. I don't. I believe so. I think she she knows them. Okay. Then I will rescind my 2FA complaint. Well, it's only Gryffindor that has a password on a portrait. Really? I didn't I realize think, that. Oh, because no, Slytherin, yeah, Slytherin in the had second one. book. Okay, Slytherin has yeah. one, but for for Ravenclaw, you have to answer a riddle to get it. That's, that's so right. Mean. I remember that. That's in the that's in the sixth, seventh book. I would I never know. get but in. For, <laughs> I know that would be really hard. And then for Hufflepuff, they they have a portrait next to the kitchens, and you tickle a pear to get in. That's really cute. So it's like instead of a password, you just have to know where to touch <laughs> yeah. on the portrait. Mm. That's funny, which I think is cute yeah. and inclusive. Yeah. You know? In the seventh book, Hermione solves the riddle to get into Ravenclaw. Oh yeah, Henry. yeah. Which oh. I want to point out real quick. I think another interesting thing that could have been done about the story, done differently. Um, I think it would have been cool if Hermione and Ron weren't also in Gryffindor, yeah. like to kind of spread it out a little bit so all of Harry's friends aren't from the same house. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Ron makes sense as a Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like Hermione obviously makes sense as a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Like, loyalty and It probably just limits some of the story points. But. I guess so, but, yeah. One of my biggest complaints is that they don't branch out to students and stuff. Like, it feels like it's just that main group that we get to spend time with and then, like, a bunch of adults well, where, that Harry interacts with. Where's uh, Luna's not in Gryffindor, is she? Ravenclaw. Yeah, she, she's Ravenclaw. Okay. And like there's like Cedric yeah. and Cho's in Ravenclaw, I think. Mm-hmm. Cho's also in Ravenclaw. So it like kind of does. That's about yeah, it. That's true. I mean like. Of the main I wanted people. like a Slytherin too is kind of where that comes yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I wanted like a diverse group, especially for like the part where they're forming their um, Dumbledore's army yeah. stuff. I wanted a, I wanted to get to know these people from other houses and stuff. Yeah, you do a little, but yeah, yeah. Um, I found it incredibly annoying how Gryffindor is always considered the best house, but I know it's from the perspective <laughs> of Gryffindor students, so like I kind of get it. Don't they? I mean, they win every single time that Harry's there, like the house cup and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Except for the parts where like Cedric dies and it's Blackburn. And there is no, Or yeah. like when Dumbledore dies and yeah. But I don't, I think that the lore was that they hadn't won. Like Slytherin yeah, had been winning true. for years and years before. Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, it'd been like a, I think that was said in the first book. Like a Slytherin was, streak. Mm -hmm. Yep. There is the, uh, the specific plot point um, when Harry is uh, like his first time as a seeker in like the Quidditch, the Quidditch game or whatever. Um, and mm -hmm. like his broom starts to go out of control and Hagrid's like watching it with Ron and Hermione. And he's like, oh, only dark magic could mess with the broom like that. Why is Hagrid the only one that notices? And why doesn't anybody watching like do anything about it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a great point. That whole scene is very... I guess because the idea is that you're watching the quaffle, you know? I guess, like yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're watching the act like the live action rather than the seeker, but yeah, people would still notice. I think right. Yeah, well, I especially the footage. the commentator, um, like the commentator student is even like saying like, "Oh, it looks like Harry is losing control of his broom," and then there's like people in the crowd pointing and being like, "Whoa!" But nobody does anything. Yeah. Well, they I guess they could have thought, well, that little eleven year old doesn't know how to fly. That's true. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I thought it was funny in the movie. It was so like Hermione was like had the binoculars and she was like looking at Harry and then she just like glanced down slightly and was like, Oh my God, it's yeah. Snape. <laughs> Snape is just like murmuring ominously. But I also yeah. think it's like, I like how it's sort of like carefully, like subtly foreshadows that like Quirrell is the one behind everything, you know? Yes. Cause like in yeah. the movie you can see him standing behind Snape. And mm -hmm. like it's cut out of frame, yeah. so you can't really see. But he's moving his it. mouth in the movie a little. Mm -hmm. He has his is. hands above his mouth. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like um, in the book, how it like mentions like, oh, Hermione knocked over poor Professor Quirrell trying to get to Snape, and so it's like, oh, yes, and that's yes. why the the broom curse stopped. Um, I think it's super clever, and I think more little tidbits like that would have really helped form Snape's redemption arc. Yeah, better. I. Oh man, the whole time. Uh, I didn't know anything about, like, Snape's stuff. Mm -hmm. The only thing I knew was that Snape killed Dumbledore as, as like, the Luke That's, Skywalker yeah, sort of, yeah. like, I am your father. Yeah. Like, everyone knows that. Um, but the whole time I was reading the books, because of this moment, like, in this first book where, like, um, Snape is saving Harry, like, every bad thing Snape does, I'm like, but he saved Harry in that first thing. Like, how can he be bad? Oh. The whole time, like um, for the sixth book, where he is just a villain, <laughs> the entire time. Like, there's like no other way to read it really, other than him being a villain. Yeah, because it like starts from him, and he's like doing his double agent thing. He's like, right. yes, I am a Death Eater. <laughs> like two other Death Eaters. He's like meeting with the Death Eaters, and everyone's like, I'm like, but he saved Harry. How did this? How does you justify anything? Uh, so I've been I've been coming back to that whole Quidditch games thing. Uh, for the entire series. Yeah. I was also frustrated by the whole, like, oh, there's definitely a professor trying to sabotage things and murder a student. And they think it's Snape. Like, they're fairly insistent that it's Snape most of the first book. And then they're like, yeah. oh, Dumbledore's gone? Well, I guess we can't tell any other professor. Like, they couldn't go to McGonagall or 
I remember that. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, you guys, <laughs> like what? And they're a little dumb. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> the final thing that just kind of upsets me a lot is okay, you have the Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Um, very important magical artifact. Um, very uh, useful to half dead evil wizards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how come a gaggle of 11 year olds, like the puzzles set up protecting it, can be beaten by a gaggle of 11 year olds? Like, <laughs> and you put it in a school full of other 11 year olds. You know what I mean? Like, you're just tempting yeah. fate. Even though Dumbledore's last puzzle of like, oh, you can only get the stone if you don't actually want to use it is a very effective yeah. control. Then what was the point of the other puzzles <laughs> that could still be beaten by children? I don't know. It just bugs me. I think they beat them because of love. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as an adult, was able to just go through it by himself still. Like, yeah. the, the measures yeah. still failed in multiple, many different ways. And that's what that's I don't true. like. <laughs> well, if you think about it, they also, for some reason, just yanked the stone out of Gringotts and were like, yeah, Hogwarts is yeah, better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's always been like the, that's been like a common uh, Yeah, that Hogwarts line. is the safest. Hogwarts is the safest place. Yeah, they don't have a lot of evidence to prove that, though, honestly. No, they really also, don't. Also, um, I don't know, something else that I kind of caught that I thought was really odd was that Hogwarts is the safest place. This establishes this without a doubt for some reason. Also, Harry, Harry's only prior interactions with Dumbledore are reading his little description on the back of his chocolate frog card and <laughs> seeing him in the Great Hall making speeches sometimes. And also, like, the, the mirror of... The, the mirror the thing. The mirror thing, yeah. yeah. Um, which aren't... And then, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a lot of of a good basis for Harry to be like, this is the best man ever. It just yeah. feels well, Hagrid really strange. Him, which I feel like adds to yeah. it. Yeah, well... Yeah, That's true. but if I was Harry, I would be like, Hagrid is the best man ever. Because oh, this was the man who came and sure. pulled me out of the Dursley situation, who bought me my owl and took me around, bought me yeah. my school supply, or like helped me or whatever. Serves you tea yes. on the weekends. Yes. Like, absolutely one of Harry's children should have named, been named Rubus. Yeah. Like, a Rubius. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, well, he's still alive, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he is. Hagrid is, yeah. The actor that played Hagrid yeah. sadly passed away, but... Oh, I, yeah, I just yeah. went in the oh. books. In the books, yeah, when his kids are going, yeah. but still. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh. Na- the the whole, like, all of his kids are named after dead people thing was... <laughs> is that right? Well, he literally just has his parents' names for two of his kids, right. which is a bit odd. I think the family name thing is more understandable mm-hmm. than the just, like, everyone yeah. who died. And- I just think it's a little weird that's like... Yeah, my mom had red hair, and my dad looked like me, and now I got a son that looks like me, and a daughter that has red hair, and they're named after my parents, who, yeah, we're married, but these two are brother and sister. Like, if you think about it a little, it gets a little weird. a little weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like a line, because he's married to Ginny. Right. So it's like a line of people that all look the same. Yeah. Also, sorry, one last complaint, and this is like a really nitpicky thing. There is the thing about Professor Quirrell has Voldemort on the back of his head, right? And he goes Mm -hmm. and kills unicorns and drinks the blood to sort of like sustain Voldemort's like life force. Um, It's like an extreme measure because in the book it warns us, hey, 
You kill a unicorn, you drink its blood. Uh, for the rest of your life, you're going to have a cursed life for that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, like, get it because it's like Voldemort's already fucked up. So, like, what does it matter? <laughs> like we, I thought it was, oh, I always read it as, because it says, like, you'll have a cursed life, a half-life. Yeah. I thought that's, like, how he managed to get onto the back of Quirrell's head is that... Uh, is it Quirrell like, drinking the half-life it? is that... He, well, I, I always thought it was like, well, it's a half-life because you don't have a full body. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm <laughs> off base. Sorry, there. I just, I <laughs> like that. I like that logic, though. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't really work out what that was intended to mean, but I understand. I mean, it's definitely, yeah. like, intended to mean don't drink. Well, yeah, blood. or it could just <laughs> yeah. be like, this is a really evil thing to do, and you shouldn't yeah, do it. Yeah, so yeah. That means that the guy that did it's really bad news, which is fine, right. I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's just... Anyway, mm-hmm. as a book, as like a compared to the rest of the books in the series, I'd say that this is probably my second favorite or mm. my first favorite, depending on the day. I really like the pre melodramatic side of the series. Yeah. So one and two, I really enjoy. I've um, seen people describe the first two as more like on the. Um, I always say this wrong. Road, road doll, road doll. Is that how you say that? Road. Authors? Rod doll. You know the guy that. Wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I and like James Ronald. and the Giant Peach. Ronald? His name's not... Sorry. I think it's Road. Raw? Road Doll. Who wrote? But people say like it has that kind of like fantasy and like playfulness. Lindsay. But then that definitely changes. Oh, it is Rold. 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 Ronald Rold. without the yeah. end. Yeah, it's Ronald <laughs> minus the end. <laughs> All right. But yes, but the first two feel very like playful, fantasy, fun. Which is what I like. I think that for people growing up with the series, the shift to melodramatic is probably really fun and probably coincided with their like teenage angst. Yeah, yeah that's what I was that's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I just suddenly thought of one last thing. Um, another <laughs> character characterization complaint. Um, the whole Dudley uh, being fat oh, yeah. and bad. Oh my gosh! I did yeah. not like that yeah, very much bad. at all. <laughs> There's some hilarious like descriptions of him being fat, like Dudley, his who could butt, barely fit through yeah, a door, his butt hanging yeah. over Dudley. the sides of the chair. I'm like <laughs> the butt over the chair. Joanne, yeah. Can we calm down yeah. a little bit? <laughs> it's pretty fat. Yeah, that's that very was bad. so like that stood out so much when I was reading or listening also, to it. And I think that's supposed to be kind of that like fantasy playfulness kind of like, yeah, his, his like size was not even supposed to be taken literally, you know, yeah. like, Oh, it's kind of a joke, whatever. But when you then put it in context with where the series yeah. goes, it's like, well, you have to take that. Right. Seriously. Also how freaking like, greasy Snape is all the time. Yeah. He's like, all right, oh, greasy yeah. sniveling Snape. And then it's like, okay, so you want, you know, Oily. Yeah, oily. Yeah, it's like, oh, Joanne, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Try to give him a hug and he Did you just slips drip? right Yeah, out. he's like <laughs> lubricated constantly, very slippery <laughs> fellow. Which can be helpful. Yeah. Helps him escape yeah. situations. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Fits his personality. Yeah. Um, same with the movie for me. I really enjoy the first book and the first movie. I think the movie is probably one of my... I think the movie is my favorite movie because it's... I think the book was the most... Um, able to be trans like the story made most sense for a movie given yeah. its brevity like they pretty much hit all the yeah. beats yeah. That they needed to. yeah the other ones are just too long I think to work as movies yeah I still love them 
But. Oh, yeah, they're fun. I feel like they just... Ah, there's definitely people who watched only the movies. Yeah, and I don't understand that. I don't really. understand how you could do that. Like, it doesn't feel possible. Like, do you... Like, I don't some think... characters just show up. Yeah. Like, Charlie or Bill. Yeah. It just, like, it shows up in the last book. And it's just, like... I mean, he's not, like, an essential character, but, like... This is what He's always... just a werewolf now. Like, and you don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> this is what always happens, though, with book-to-movie adaptations. Because literally, like, the first Hunger Games movie, they left out her... Um, whatever the they call it, like the tongue prep team, Katniss's prep yeah. team. And oh, then like okay. they end up being pretty integral characters in the third book. And it's like, how are you going to explain the fact that you didn't even have those people? Like, anyway. I think adaptations in general are weird. Like the world is what's interesting with Harry Potter. Yeah. You could tell a different story in the same world. Like, well, well a yeah. Fantastic Beast, I, I don't fan- think worked fantastic. out so great, did it? <laughs> I've no. heard complaints. I mean, I mean... I've seen the first... You the can thing tell bad stories, too. I mean, like... The thing is, they did it in America. Like, I don't know why they felt like they needed to oh. say, okay, well, you want to be... You want the same world, but in a completely different country, <laughs> right. and they say different words, and, like, I don't know. I saw the first movie, and it was okay, but then I just, like, was not interested in the others, and so I didn't see them. So maybe they're fine. I think that but... removes, like, an integral part of Harry Potter, though, where it's about kids. Like, I think it being from a kid's perspective is what makes it so yeah because it is it's from an i adult. watched yeah. sage uh watch <laughs> i didn't have the headphones in uh he watched the entire fast fantastic piece is it a trilogy however many however many so. movies yeah. they are he watched all of them on our flight i think either two or back from <laughs> seattle um i had no yeah. audio i was just absorbing the story through like yeah <laughs> i was absorbing it through like the shots and like the, the the expressions and stuff and even like just by that i could tell it was bad <laughs> like yeah, yeah. i don't know <laughs> i'd be curious if i don't know like does jk rowling have final say over like i want to know what the deal is like because uh, i'm sure if a studio like a publisher owns harry potter mm. i'm sure they would have an interest in pumping out a bunch of content whether or not that would all be good, I don't know. But like, if if J.K. Rowling owns the uh, rights, I don't think she's in any rush to put out any more Harry Potter thing. I don't no. know what the deal is. Well, with any I of also it. I don't I don't think that I don't actually think that they'd want to start pumping out more movies right now. Not not for yeah, me, but I just of don't. Her. I think no, but I also think people are kind of over it. Yeah, mm. fatigue. Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, like going to the Harry Potter world is still really cool, and like, but that's. I don't think people want a new story in the world, honestly. I think they just want the nostalgia of Harry Potter. Maybe. I feel like as if if you were like an executive you look at, or someone like who's like a money person at one of these companies, you just see that it's like the number one best-selling book franchise and like one of the like the third best performing uh, film franchises. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you don't convince people to like move on something i mean they are still making money though is the thing yeah and i guess they are making the last fantastic beast just came out recently yeah so they were working on that and with hogwarts legacy it's jumping back into video games so i guess now is probably one of the most vibrant times for or like as far as like plentiful like things stories Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever maybe maybe i'm wrong we are maybe gonna get more and more harry potter stuff (laughs) Maybe we'd get more if it wasn't so controversial. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of shooting herself in the foot, I think, more than anything. Can you can you just push past the controversy? Like if they put out enough stuff, do people get over it? And if it's good, especially There's a good section of previously devoted Harry Potter fans who are still like 
into the story and the story matters to them who have said, I will only ever buy Harry Potter merch from Etsy, like the independent sellers. I won't be buying any, like who have taken it like and decided I will not give money to Mm -hmm. the merchandise that benefits JK Rowling. And honestly, I kind of feel like that's a, not a bad line. Yeah, or like mm-hmm. buying, she just... buying the book secondhand, buying things yeah, secondhand. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. And yeah. not that we condone piracy of PlayStation 2 games, but, well, you can't buy it in a way that supports yeah, JK Rowling. <laughs> um, yeah. I, but, so the people don't really like, I mean, people, some people like it, but it's not like a worldwide hit like Harry Potter was, the current Harry, or Wizarding World stuff that's out. Like Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, like people don't like yeah. it. No. So I feel like it's easy to have a boycott, a successful boycott, when people don't really <laughs> like the thing. Right. Um, but if they liked it, then, yeah, I see what you mean. I think Hogwarts Legacy will be interesting. I don't think it's going to be amazing. But if it is, like, a pretty fun game, I'd be curious, like, if people would push past the criticism on for that, like, or if the boycott would stand <laughs> in, in people's mind. I don't know. We'll see. Claire, you have anything to say about these first books? Nope. Okay. First books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've gone for a while and we you have. guys should start actually discussing the game. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about how they adapted the story into the game. It's largely following the same plots uh, of the book slash movie. I think it leans more towards movie than book. Uh, there's a lot of lines ripped directly from the book. Or not the book, the movie. And some from the book, I think. But there's uh, some areas that they really gloss over that I think kind of do a disservice to anyone. God forbid anyone is just like playing only this game to take in the story of like Harry Potter. But characters like uh, Ron and Hermione are kind of like pushed to the background as well as like other supporting characters like Dumbledore barely has a role. A lot of the teachers are kind of just like present um morgan anything stand out to you as missing or like an event from the book or movie that you would have wanted to play in the game not necessarily no i mean obviously like the game has to expand on a lot of areas like what do the students do during their classes because the book the book doesn't gloss over it but you can't turn what the book says into a video game level (laughs) i don't think so I can't remember in the books and I guess the book specifically, but I feel like they just went to each class once. That's kind of like the feeling that I got. Yeah. And it's mainly like, oh, in this class, we learned this spell, this one spell. And then this funny thing happened because Neville's bad at everything. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. He's not slandered with being fat. He's just slandered with being Yeah, dumb. with being bad and dumb. Yeah. So for those who haven't played the game, the game opens up in Ollivander's shop, which is a hefty way into I thought, the- Yeah, that was kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. To have the game. Because you spend like a couple minutes in cutscenes. Yeah. Just at the beginning, you get, uh, it's like Harry getting a letter. Well, it's him being dropped off as a baby and then him getting a letter. I don't even think we see the Dursleys. Like, yeah, I'm I don't certain. remember them at all. No, I don't think we do. Uh, so it's him getting a letter and then it's just him at the Leaky Cauldron going into uh, Diagon Alley. So skips over a lot. Personally, I thought the idea of having like maybe a level where you play as Harry before he's a wizard could have been interesting. The idea of like having a zoo level (laughs) 
is kind of fun to me. Just that first instance of like Harry doing wizard-ish things. Yeah. I don't know. It would take some game like interpretation of those events to turn it into like a level. Yeah. I well, I mean, they kind of had to do that with all of Anders too, because it, you crawl through this whole section of the shop <laughs> and you fight. Um, are, is, are they pixies? Something I like that. I can't even remember. I think they might I, be I, Yeah, I do remember. No, you fight the, the trolls. You throw them in cages. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's something else, though. Oh, yeah. By the way, whenever you, like, pick your wand at the beginning, did you pick the right wand first? Yeah. I just, I walked up to all the wands and I listened to the description and I picked the one that I remembered was right from the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The first time I played it, I just, like, I thought it was random. Like, I thought I was going to have to go through a couple wands, like, in um, the movie or in the book. Slash movie. I keep saying either or, but it applies to both most of the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's one complaint that I have with the adaptation is it feels like we jump like we skip like one fourth of the, the story and just get like straight into Harry being a wizard. Right. Which it's the cooler is part. It's the cooler part. But like, I don't know. To me, the Dursleys are like an integral part of the Harry story. I don't know if yeah. everyone feels that way. Yeah. But I like them. Another area of the game that is trimmed down compared to the books and movies is Quidditch. There is like a broom flying mechanic and you do play in one Quidditch game, but you don't like play Quidditch. Uh, you just chase the snitch. You have to go through the, the rings. Yeah. You just like go on like a guided course basically. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I don't know, the... Uh, the Quidditch game released before this, and I, I kind of get the idea of, you know, if if you already have, like, a Quidditch game, maybe you don't need to make a probably, like, worse version of Quidditch inside of this game as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. I feel like I might have just, like, trimmed out all of the, like, broom flying stuff if I wasn't going to play Quidditch, though. Well, and the, the only other broom section um, that came before the Quidditch match in-game was chasing Malfoy on a broom. Which right? Um, yeah, I, we can talk about that later. But I was not a fan of that chunk at all. There's there's that section, and then you can just like fly around if you talk to Madame Hooch. Oh, okay. I never bothered. Yeah, and I believe I don't know if you did this. Can you just fly around randomly? Um, like when you're on the castle grounds, can you just like pull out your broomstick and start? I flying? never, I never tried to. See, there was something that I read that made me think you could do that. I don't know if I was reading about Chamber of Secrets, though. Oh, that could be. Which may have been that. Yeah. But uh, that Malfoy, also, this is a thing that me and Claire talk about all the time, is that for some reason my brain cannot say Malfoy. Malfoy? Oh, you say Malfoy instead of Mal? Mal? No, I say Malfoy. Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't stop myself. Okay. If I'm just If I'm just going, I, I'll say Malfoy. <laughs> and I I have to really slow down to say Mal. Foy. Yeah, that's funny. I don't know why I stick the I just stick L's in there. But uh, that section where you're chasing him, the blonde kid, on a broom. Yeah, I banged into walls like 15 times, and like you get stuck, and then you just like can't get unstuck. It's just like you back up a little bit, and then you hit the same wall over and over again. Well, and like the game doesn't really tell you what it wants from you. Like I no. went around that route that he takes you through like three times, and I was like. What, why hasn't this ended yeah. yet? And he was like yelling at me and I was like, okay, what? Obviously I'm not doing something right. And then I looked it up and it was like, no, you just got to c- cut corners and catch him eventually. And I was like, oh, oh okay. okay. But the game doesn't tell That's you that. That's what I was that. wondering. Mm-hmm. It was strange. Because he drops little 
does he drop circles? No. Because there's like little circle speed boost things. Okay. I don't remember. I don't think he did. I remember just so like I following guess, him. Yeah. So I guess then you just got to cut him off. Yeah. Now. I just chased him until I ran into him, I guess. Yeah. The Quidditch uh, section gives you the circles to like guide you so that it, yeah. as long as you follow the circles, like you'll catch up to the snitch. But the Malfoy section doesn't give you anything. It's just like, here, here we go. You're on a broom. Go, go, stupid, yeah, that's go crazy. True. And you're like, okay. go, go stupid, go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the section where you probably needed the most guys. Exactly. Because it's your first time on the broom. Yeah. yeah. And that's I was a little, like, uh, a strange. I thought, I thought it was kind of jank how they handled that. But personally, I feel like it should have just been a complete the course and then cutscene. <laughs> like maybe not actually having to catch him because that's all the other broom sections is trying to catch something. Maybe for this one, you just complete the course. Yeah. Because it does drag on if you're failing to catch him. It, yeah. Yeah, so. I was there for probably like five or ten minutes, which felt way too long. <laughs> probably closer to ten minutes, if I'm being honest. Yeah, so to summarize my little feeling on like whether or not you include Quidditch, I feel like you either include it or you don't. Like Just, just make cut a cutscene out of it? Yeah, just, I don't, I don't know. It, it'd be cool to have like a really all-encompassing Harry Potter game where there is Quidditch. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into this later whenever I bring up wizard chess mm -hmm. uh, after this. Um, it would be cool. Like, maybe in the Hogwarts Legacy game, I'm pretty sure there's Quidditch, but, like, if there was wizard chests and all these, like, sort of, like, side activities that are kind of, like, f more fleshed out into being, like, real pieces of content as opposed to just, like, a really pared-down version of Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know, that makes sense. I understand why it's not included, but it feels weird to have just, like, a half-step of Quidditch. So, uh, the wizard chess thing oh my god um, yeah so wizard chess is obviously important because in the final scenes like the, the last uh like challenge gauntlet thing that they do in the movies and books there's like a big like life-size chess scene uh or like chessboard where they have to like beat this mcgonagall ai to pass <laughs> um <laughs> and it's really cool. I, I really, that's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole series. Cause it's like this whole stretch is like everyone gets to be utilized um, out of like Harry's little gang. So like Ron is apparently like this chess wizard. No pun intended, but strategist. Uh, yeah. Chess. He's good at chess. Yeah. He's apparently better than like a chess master or something. <laughs> better than McGonagall, um, I guess. I better, better than McGonagall. Again, <laughs> these, this is not the most advanced security system. No. And it's a cool scene because, like, Ron will sacrifice himself and stuff like that. It's a very good scene in the book and movie, I feel like. Good show of uh, bravery. It's, yeah, it's also a huge meme, uh, it's, the movie version. It is a little corny to me in the movie. It is, but, like, as like whenever I saw that when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's so cool. I, I always thought it was corny, specifically in the movie, because when his, like, horse, because he takes the place of a knight, yeah, so he's he on a horse. It. When his horse gets destroyed, the horse just kind of, like, explodes, and he just kind of, like, falls on the ground. It's like, <laughs> why are you knocked out? Like, how did this knock you yeah. out? It doesn't look like it was that bad, but okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and we get that, like, cool moment at the end where, like, everyone's getting points for, like, yeah. their bravery and stuff, and it's like... You know, for the best game of chess uh, Hogwarts has ever seen, it's like 50 points to Ron Weasley. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. In this game. Um, <laughs> when I, Can I tell you, when I got to this part, 
and it gave me control, I audibly went, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so strange. There's there's a lot of strangeness going on uh-huh. with the wizard chest scene chest again. <laughs> uh wizard chest scene in this in this game because first of all, Ron is dead. Uh you walk into the uh yeah. the room and you see Ron like passed out. Which is like... Yeah, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> and H- Harry and Hermione are like, Well, I guess we've gotta finish this chess game. <laughs> Which is like, I guess it's implied that, I didn't think about this until now, but I guess it's implied that Ron was playing the chess game and got beaten. (laughs) Which is probably what would honestly happen had this, like, a more realistic version. Yeah. So you got to finish the chess game, um, which is really just three pieces that all move like the king. Yeah. Fighting three pieces that just move like the king. It's very strange. And also, like... I didn't, I don't remember if I had this. I think I had my king get destroyed and it wasn't a game over. Like, yeah, because I still right. had other pieces, it was okay. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. That's not how chess works. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, do you think that chess would have been too much to put into, like, uh, what is a kid's game? No. Or? Because, well, I don't know. It depends. I was going to say there's a PS1 chess game and, like, coding wise, well, for children that don't, if a kid doesn't know how to play chess, they're going to have one hell of a time trying to get past I that know, that's, puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Did you find chess to be like intimidating as a kid? Because no, I was always like, oh, that's so complicated. Mm. How could anyone learn that? No, because how I was taught was my dad. I, I had to be like five or six and my dad just like sat mm. me down with a chessboard and was like, okay here's how these pieces move. And if I tried to move a piece illegally, he'd be like, no, that piece doesn't move that way. Or like, I could like mm-hmm. ask him questions and be like, can I do this? And then he would, <laughs> as I was like learning to play, he would also point out to me and be like, this would be a good move. Or if I was about to make a move that was bad, he'd be like, no, that's a bad move. And then explain why. So it, it was like a, like a handholdy, but like good yeah. learning experience. My father was a good teacher. I'm not that great at chess though. Neither is he, but <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. I've, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, understanding the rules is, like, because it's really a simple game if you break it down. Because all you need to know is how the pieces move Mm -hmm. and what the win condition is. Yeah, don't expose your king. Don't let your king get gone. I mean, mean, like, yeah, everything past that is strategy. Like, Mm -hmm. if you understand how the pieces move and you understand how you win and lose the game, then that's enough to, like, play chess. Right. Um, I mean, so, like, the way... So, when you show up, because of, like, the way the board is set up, like, you only have a few pieces. There's only a few pieces left on each side. And, I mean, if they would have went with that setup but kept the chess pieces moving the same way, it would have turned into, like, this puzzle because it's, like, okay, here, you have to get a checkmate without, like outright losing with the setup that we gave you versus if you started mm-hmm. with a fresh board with like Ron or something, then you could play mm-hmm. it like a more normal game of chess. But I don't know how you would tune a chess AI for children. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Here's, here's my fun idea. Again, this would make more sense than like a really like immersive sort of Harry Potter Hogwarts game. Um, I think it would have been cool because chess is introduced in the books and movies during Christmas. Yeah. Because you see like Ron and Harry playing it and that's like the introduction to the thing that will be used later in the story. I think it would have been cool if there was like a similar to Gwent from The uh, Witcher 3 where there's just like this side activity that you can participate in and you work your way through like 
various students that like range in difficulty. Yeah. Um, maybe like, I don't know how many you go into, like maybe like seven or 10, like just like a, you know, easy sort of Nevels easy. at the medium. bottom. I was going to say, here's my theory for it. My theory is that um, Ron would be at the bottom and also at the top. So he would be like, yeah, he would yeah, teach so be you like a little mystery and then come kick mm-hmm. your ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so here's my, here's my thought process for how you would tie that in later. Um, because this is a kid's game, you're not trying to, you're trying to whoop these kids asses. Yeah. Um, whatever difficulty they manage to beat, like, let's say you force them to play Ron, who's very like going very, very easy on you at the beginning. You force them to play Ron in Christmas just as like a tutorial thing, it's like, hey, here's how you play chess. And it's like you beat him. Um, maybe the difficulty of the uh, chess game at the end could just be like a little bit less hard than the most difficult character you've beaten yeah. or something. Yeah. Because it's like a side activity that you're not necessarily forcing them to engage with. Mm-hmm. It would be um, yeah. like act tuning mm-hmm. sort of in the background. Yeah. Or have ron assist yeah you in making decisions or maybe you could ask him for hints like there's like a hint button where it's like yeah. ron i don't know what to do yeah <laughs> yeah i think that'd be good yeah um but again i don't know i think having the game be like half played would be best for pacing though that's true either way ron had been done very dirty in this game because yes. that's like his moment to shine and he's just he still gets a shout out at the end uh-huh because they're just like reusing the lines from the the movie where it's like, for the best game of chess ever played, Ron Weasley. And it's like, dude, Ron was dead like yeah. two seconds after walking into the room. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like we all defeated that like uh, that vine boss thing. Yeah. Ron runs into the next room. We're like two seconds behind him and he's already dead before by the time we get in there well also so in the book the um hermione's like time to shine is the logic puzzle um that potion. snape yeah. yeah has set up because of the potions but in the i guess in the game in the movie it's just oh i had this fact memorized about the devil's snare was that kind out of the movie as well N- the devil's snare so it it was um, not the devil snare the potions were the potions cut yeah out they, of the movie? they were cut out of the movie also in the book mm. the devil snare is afraid of light and so they cast like blue fire or whatever at it and make it like freak out but in the movie it's just oh just hold still and we'll slip right through right. it yeah that's my best British child accent um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah so progression and pacing. Uh, the game is actually structured like a Zelda clone, which I did not know going into it. But honestly, that makes a lot of sense for like a Harry Potter game after having played it. Um, like going into it, I was like expecting a linear sort of we're going to move from like scene to scene mm-hmm. and like slowly progress and unlock new spells. But the sort of like you have like an open hub world and then you have like these dungeon like classes and they have you themes. Like learn a new spell yeah yep i think that makes a lot of sense and works really well mm-hmm. uh what do you think yeah i thought um sort of like having each dungeon themed around like a specific th- spell it was really good for like introducing a new spell to you and then like giving you all the context like slowly building up and teaching you all the context in which you need to use that spell Mm -hmm. um and then like as the dungeons progress they get a little bit more complicated so it's like 
oh, if I see this button, I know I have to use Flipendo. Or if I see like this gargoyle or see like a blank wall, I know to use Lumos to check for like platforms and, and secret doors and stuff like that. So I thought, yeah. you know, I thought they did a really good job with that. It was fun. It was enjoyable. I thought it was one of the most impressive parts of the game because it's like something that I just didn't think of. Like I kind of always thought of Harry Potter as being like kind of difficult to adapt to a video game. Like mm -hmm. thinking of Hogwarts Legacy and stuff. I'm like, is it just going to be like a third person shooter with <laughs> wands? Yeah. Because that's kind of what the later Harry Potter movie games seem to be like Deathly Hollows and stuff. It kind of seemed like a third person shooter. It's, it's almost kind of like, this is going to sound weird, but like, you know, in how like in Infamous, you like have like this like lightning hand and you can just like kind of like rapid fire. Yeah. Like you're just flinging lightning balls around and it's just kind of like crazy. And that, that's kind of, I think, what the later ones feel like. It, it That's what they looked like to yeah. me because it was just like rapid fire spells, yeah. like a machine gun, which was hilarious. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Have you ever seen... Harry Potter with guns? No. I'm taking a break from the podcast to show you okay. this. That does, that has put this idea in my head, though, of what if there's a wizard in the Harry Potter universe that's trained to say spells super fast like an auctioneer. And so, like, with his <laughs> wand, it's just like a, like a machine gun. And it's just like nobody can touch this guy because he just rattles off all these things, these spells and incantations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So I don't know if this was like related to this discussion that I heard on Harry Potter, but I heard someone say that like the wands just become like guns and there's so many scenes where they basically are just guns. Yeah. So they like went through and like replaced so <laughs> a bunch of the scenes with guns. Oh my so God. Um, if you go to like about three minutes in. Okay. Devil snare hates sunlight. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. They do do the sunlight. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Harry Potter with Guns HD is a fantastic okay. video. It's got 12 million views. It should, as it should. But, yeah, later games seemed very third-person shootery. Uh, but this game was much more, like, puzzly and, like, you know, you get these spells that interact with the world in a specific way, and as you acquire more spells, more of the world becomes accessible to you. Mainly the garden, really. The garden is, like, the one area of the game that actually, like, opens up. There's, like, a couple uh, locked doors in the castle and a couple moments where you need to use, like, Incendio to light some torches or whatever mm -hmm. to, like, unlock chests and stuff. But the uh, garden area is where, like, a lot of the... was where you're kind of rewarded for acquiring more spells because you get to explore more of the the garden. And it's done in a very linear way. It's not, like... Because you have to go there to, like, get the next potion ingredient and stuff like that. I think that, like, in a future game, I would hope that they kind of expand on the situations where you enter dungeons. Because, like, it's pretty much just the gardens and the classrooms. But I feel like Harry or Hermione, like, a group of them, like, exploring different areas on their own. Like, different sections of the castle mm -hmm. or... Stuff like that. Like outside of like a school setting would be pretty cool. Yeah. Where it seems like there's more peril or something. To touch on like or to expand on my thoughts about how like some characters are kind of shoved to the background. One of the biggest problems I have with Harry Potter as a whole, as I mentioned earlier, is the lack of emphasis on like Harry's relationship with other students. And like we don't really get to learn about other students hardly at all. Mm -hmm. I feel like an area of the game where they could have easily like included more like 
world building that's like pertinent to like Harry's environment would be to do something like have a collectible similar to the wizard cards where you collect this thing and it gives you more information about Harry's world. Like the wizard cards just tell you about like random dead wizards and stuff like that. Like it's not really relevant in any way to the game. Yeah. It's like kind of like an empty world building because it's not anything that you interact with. It's kind of cool to have like, you know, a bit of information because like the narrator will like read it to you and stuff. It's a lot like the codex entries in uh, Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. But the codex entries in Mass Effect like actually have relevance to the game. They're not just like random bits of information about like some author yeah that you never meet exactly like Like, imagine a mass effect codex where it tells you about the asari but then you never meet the asari it's like okay what's the point then or it's like you learn about like some asari like famous figure that has no relevance to any asari that you ever meet yeah no one's like bringing up like the impact that they had on their culture or anything like like it's just it's just nonsense really (laughs) and i wonder if like maybe there was some sort of like um like red tape as far as like how much the uh creators of the game could like add to Mm -hmm. the story as it pertains to harry and maybe they were only allowed to talk about this sort of like non-essential stuff like just random bits of information that they were probably allowed to make up yeah I don't know. Yeah, they might have. They were probably limited in some way. Well, especially because like at the time that this game came out, she probably wasn't done writing the books yet, was she? Mm. So they might have had to be careful to like, don't don't put yeah. something in this game that contradicts something she's going to write later somehow, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So uh, in playing Persona 5. I really love the whole dynamic of being in like a school setting and you like get to know your friends and like the people around you and like the relationships between everyone. Um, that's like one of my favorite aspects of the school setting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's not really realized at all here. It's just kind of like a cool castle, but it's not, it doesn't really feel like a school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I was shocked. So, like, as a kid, when I read the books, I always assumed that the class sizes were like really big. But yeah, me too. in like Harry's, I think like grade, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, his year or whatever, there's only like eight boys, eight mm-hmm. like first year boys. And I was like, oh, so your class sizes are a lot smaller. So there's a lot less students than I thought, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which almost makes it like less of an excuse. Like how cool would it be if like Harry's posse was like, it included like Seamus and like, it's hard to even remember their names because oh, they're not that integral. Seamus, I mean, Seamus and Neville are kind of important. Is Lavender Brown? Lavender Brown because becomes important later, but is she she Gryffindor or is she something else? I think she's Gryffindor. Okay. And oh, the Pavardi sisters or whatever. Pavardi Patil, yeah. Or uh, yeah, yeah, Patil sisters rather. Sorry. It's hard to remember because they're really they barely have any impact on the story, which is kind of sad. Yeah. To me personally. I feel like as a franchise, they focus too much on Harry's relationship with adults. With like three adults. <laughs> yeah. I think part of the fun part about like kind of experiencing a story told through like a kid's perspective in this first book, they, all the books kind of get it. I want a story where it's like, uh, it's almost like the adults don't believe you and you kind of have to like work with the students and stuff like that to like get something done. It's like, oh my God, you know, Voldemort's trying to steal the philosopher's stone we gotta do something and everyone's like no what are you talking about 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of what happens in this game. It's partially why this book is my favorite one. It feels like it captures the school vibe better than some of the later books where it's like, oh, you go to this new place and you meet like a couple people. I would have liked to just have that just expand every every book. It's like yeah. Harry's crew becomes a little bit bigger. Let's move into the gameplay mechanics. Uh, the first one that I think is worth discussing is the camera. Morgan, I know you hated the camera. <sighs> I fought with that sucker the whole time, yeah. pretty much. We still have not mastered cameras in this generation of games. Nope. Yeah. I think the biggest issue was that it's like it had to maintain a certain distance from Harry, mm-hmm. but it also had collision. So, like, you would just get in, like, tight spaces and you just, like, couldn't move it past a wall whenever you wanted to or you had to, like, make a full rotation around. There's also, like, some very weird choices when it comes to, like, uh, forced camera positioning. Like, if you enter a door or, like, just transition through a door, the camera will reset to facing Harry and the door that he just came out of, which is the opposite of what you want. You want to, because you're, like, walking forward. So then you just got to swing the camera around every time, which is just, like... It's very annoying. It's it's It's... <laughs> strange yeah. um there's a couple times where the camera is like fixed to like the corner of the room or something like if you enter like a tight space they will do that a couple times uh most notably in the final boss fight the camera's like fixed to the edge of the whole space yeah that's when i that's what i ran into the most difficulty because there's a part in the final boss where you have to aim Without your targeting uh, for like that Voldemort part, where he like see that didn't bother me so much because of the way like Lumos worked, um, because like you know you you hold it down to like build up power and then you get like a decently like wide cone area of effect. Yeah, so like it it didn't. I was pissed. I'm at talking that boss about the, for other reasons. I hate. The, I I don't like the Lumos cone thing as much. But I meant the uh, the second phase where like Voldemort oh, will shoot you, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you have to like yes. stand in front of the mirror, but you have to aim at him yes. without your targeting, and you don't have like proper camera controls. Okay, I yeah. would like dip into the first person view because you can go first person if you just like hold right trigger, you can see like Harry's perspective. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, so I would just like make an adjustment, check it in Harry's perspective, and then try to shoot. Mm-hmm. It was stupid. <laughs> So this is a action platformer, but platforming is basically done for you. You run up to a ledge and it'll just jump. There's no jump button or anything like that. It's it's pretty simple. I have flung myself off into the abyss a couple times because there's not much like correction to your jump. So if you just kind of exit the platform at the wrong angle, you'll just like fling yourself into nothing. Yeah, that's not great, but whatever. <laughs> but other than that, it's it's completely passable. Um, Spongify is kind of like the only like movement based or like platforming, like a spell that would be like additive to the platforming. You can just like basically spring off of like a platform after you put a spell on it, which is pretty like, it's basically the same thing where you just run up to it and you get to the place you need to be. Mm-hmm. Nothing is particularly challenging. Combat is the main source of challenge in the game. I would say it's also the worst aspect <laughs> of the gameplay. It's, yeah, probably. <laughs> if you have the manual. I do have the manual. I still have it open in a tab. Just to reference it. So in the manual, you can actually see a description of every 
creature that you can encounter minus the final boss. Oh, you you can also find um, copies of books in game that will give you the same information. Yeah, I noticed that. Like the folio brood eye or whatever it is. I think that's what they're called. I never ended up like re-referencing them. Yeah. I mean, it's pr- I, it's they're all pretty self-explanatory. Like In the game kind of leads you, like, I don't know. I, th- there was never any enemy types where I was like, what the heck do I do? I did have to look up the fire crab thing because I saw that you can like stun them with Flipendo. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like piece together. You're supposed to like knock them off the edge. So I did have to like oh. look that up because I was stuck in one room because nothing was happening and it <laughs> turns out I had to kill the fire crab. Yeah. For the most part, you're just hitting stuff with Flipendo, which is the spell you start with. Um, and that'll either like stun them so you can throw them in a cage or down a hole or knock them off the edge or they'll just disintegrate. But that's like most of the enemies in the game. There's some ghost-like enemies that you have to attack with uh, Lumos, which is like a cone-shaped like aoe like you have to run at them while you're casting lumos and that'll do damage to them yeah so my main question i see you have a note here that says that the targeting never felt as responsive as i wanted it to that was my main issue where it Mm -hmm. was like okay i would target onto something and then it felt like harry just like wouldn't turn and like look at it just look at it and it kept like messing me up where i was like trying to target something it wasn't responsive enough so my spells were missing and it's like I guess it, like, frustrated me because, um, like we mentioned, like, the gameplay is, like, kind of a Zelda clone. And it's like, okay, then I am expecting that snappy responsiveness of Zelda mm-hmm. targeting because Zelda does it, like, perfectly. So mm-hmm. I just wish they could have emulated that a little bit better. I think it might have been nice if there was, like, strafing. That too. And, like, the, the targeting where it's like, okay, you're you're at, like, this, like, um, pulled back sort of camera view mm-hmm. when you're just, like, exploring. But if you target onto someone, it goes to, like, over the shoulder, basically, or, like, above the head, but, like, pointed at who you're targeting. So you can kind of get a better idea of whenever, like, line of sight is broken. Because you do need to, like, maintain line of sight to cast the spell at them, which is something that I struggled with at times because you're like watching as like a third party observer from like mm-hmm. the side and you're trying to judge like what's in between these two people yeah so or also like um i mean like i i kept finding myself wanting to like have like more of a strafing ability almost like ratchet and clank of all things i was like oh, i just want to yeah just like let me run side to side man like come on that would be helpful yeah and even when there's like multiple enemies like switching between which creature you wanted to hit like if you were trying to stun like two imps at once like it would just like lock on to the imp that you are already stunned and stuff like yeah that, that was, was really kind of... frustrating <laughs> I, I think the combat is passable assuming that you have built up some sort of tolerance to playstation 2 games of like mediocre quality mm-hmm. like this is not like a super outlier as far as being like really frustrating it's just by modern standards definitely mm-hmm. uh, lacking how do you feel about the boss fights because they're a bit more involved. Um, I remember the troll one being kind of finicky. So, so because like the troll boss fight, I think there's like, t- no, I don't remember how many times there were. I want to say two, but I think there might have been more than that. I think there was actually more than yeah. that. There was um, like three or four, maybe. Yeah, there was the first time, which is the time that you in fight the bathroom. Them, like, in the girl's, girl's bathroom, yeah. yeah. Then there's a time you fight them in the garden. There's one in like a courtyard in like the gardens and then one time like yeah. by like the big like tree area. Yeah. And it's like optional, I think. Yeah. I think like that you time can, like, it take is. take another route to avoid him. Yeah. 
So yeah, like two or three times yeah. at least. It was kind of like finicky to get him to like hit the um the springy platform. Because what you're supposed to do is you're mm-hmm. supposed to uh, cast Spongify on a uh, like little tile on the ground and then get him to hit it with his club so that it'll fly back and hit him in the head. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I remember being a little frustrated because it was like I would lure him like right up to it and then he just like wouldn't hit it. And I'm like, come on, I just want this over with. Because it takes like quite a while to kill one. They yeah, have a lot yeah. of health. <laughs> I can't remember. Do they have like a health? Yeah, they do they have do, a health bar. Yeah. It's finicky. I think both the uh, like boss characters in the game, they're annoying and you can kind of just like, but you can at the same time like abuse some of their animations and stuff like yeah. their recovery animation for everything. Yeah. The troll, you can basically... You just circle around him and just keep making him hit the same thing. If you, like, time out his animation where he's, like, recovering from being hit in the head, you can basically stunlock him. You can just spongify the same area if you just maintain the correct distance and he'll just hit it again and again and again. Yeah. Without having him, like, chase you around or anything. So I kind of figured that out and, you know, it's, like, a little difficult to do consistently, but, like... Once I got that down, the trolls I thought were pretty easy. Mm-hmm. The other boss fight, the Venomous Tentacula, was more painful for me. How about you? Yeah, I remember I didn't like that one um, because there was like a certain like spitting attack or something that I yeah. kept getting hit with. It was just really annoying. It just felt like really hard to get out of the way of it. The spit could like basically stunlock you. Yeah. So you get hit and then you need to like stand back up, but... By the time you're standing up, it's spitting it would be at like you again. Right about the time it's spitting at you yeah. again. And I also remember, so like with the venomous, this is like the smaller plant because you you have to fight the devil's snare, right? Yeah, and thing. that is that's basically a venomous. Yeah, it's like the same sort of thing. But the annoying thing about the venomous tentacula is there are multiple like targeting points on it because mm-hmm. I think you have to take out like the leaves or something on the side and then hit it in the head. Yep. And so I would like take out the leaves and then go to target the head, but it would just target the leaf on the ground again. Oh, really? And so I would like have to like fight with it a little bit to be like, no, target. Because I was like trying to kill it as quick as possible before it recovered Mm -hmm. from me spamming spells at it. But yeah, it was kind of annoying. Yeah, I thought it was pretty tough. It could uh, like smack you with its leaf hands or it could spit at Mm -hmm. you. But if you just like waited till right after it attacked to like hit it with Incendio, that would basically do it and if you hit it like right after it like recovered from being hurt yeah you could just like again kind of just like abuse its animations Mm -hmm. and not really have to dodge anything after that um but yeah still annoying because it can kind of do the same to you if you get hit with the spit yeah hit with the spit yeah and the final boss fight like we mentioned before um the first phase consists of using like lumos on like four dogs that are chasing you around for like those ghost dog things sorry are we talking about the the final boss fight now final boss yeah hated it um i hated that so much the rough part for me was that when you die you come back with like half of one health bar yeah that's kind of terrible huh that's it yeah so i had to like figure out how to beat the boss without getting hit like yeah essentially I save, I save scum, save state scummed it. I was thinking about save state scumming whenever I was stuck in that. Uh huh. That's the only time I used it too. Was that that fight? Uh, I was sick from work one day, and I was, I was actually doing the boss fight, and I was like, "This is fun." (laughs) (laughs) I like, I'm like, this, this is a perfectly fine time to do it because it's like, when else am I going to have this much time to just like persevere through something so painful? Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. What? So. So how the the boss fight works is. 
you're in like this like arena. Okay, Quirrell, spoiler alert, Professor Quirrell is the, the big bad of this book, movie, game, whatever. Oh, God. He's in the center and he's protected by a magical barrier. Um, and there are there are chocolate frogs hopping around on the ground, but like once you pick up the frogs, only once. Yeah, you can only have them once, and if you die, the frogs they don't come back, do they? I think in most boss fights they did come back, but in this, in this one, one specifically, don't. they did not. That sucks. Another thing that frustrated me was it was like sometimes really hard to read. Because, like, with the, when you cast the Lumo spell, I kept running into this issue where, like, I would hit the dogs with the area of effect for the spell, and they would, like, flinch and take, like, a little bit of damage, but then they wouldn't take any more. And I'd be like... And yeah. so I had to... Like, I don't know how that was supposed to work, like... I think you're supposed to keep them in the beam of it, because then, mm-hmm. like, when I... There was something I changed a little bit, like, where I was, like, staying a little bit closer to the dogs, and then they took, like, they would take an initial chunk, and then it would, like, get bigger... Like, I would, like, drain their health more as I stayed closer to them. But it was, like, kind of just finicky, like, the distance you were supposed to stay away from them. And then the other thing that was giving me trouble was if you kill the dogs, Coral will drop the barrier for, like, a split second and then summon another dog. Yeah. That fucking was terrible. Because it took me forever to, like, because it was so hard to, like, trigger, to, like, lock onto him fast enough to hit him to stop him from doing it. So. Yeah. You basically, once you knocked out one dog, you had to like get into the rhythm of, okay, I'm going to Lumos and then I'm going to drive by on Quirrell yeah. and just hit him once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then Lumos, drive by on Quirrell, hit him yeah, once. Yeah. I think I left some scathing notes, just a lot of angry swearing for that boss fight. Yeah, it is. I, I saw a lot of your all caps notes. I try not to look at your notes, but when they're all caps, that just kind of catches my eye. This, oh yeah. This fucking boss fight is atrocious in all caps. <laughs> no. Yeah. So... One of the strategies I had to adopt for that boss fight was to use those pillars because the dog, the pillars like really throws off, throw off the dog's mm-hmm. AI. Like they just like forget how to chase you. So that's what I had to start doing. There was also a couple times where I would like manage to catch all four dogs at once with like a Lumos. And I'm like, oh, so satisfying. I do think it's a big issue. Like you mentioned before, like Lumos, because it's like a continuous beam, basically, mm-hmm. You expect that to do like continuous damage and not just one burst of damage. If you shot someone with Flipendo, you would expect that to do like one burst of damage. But like this continuous beam that you're holding over them should be doing like slow draining damage. But it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's confusing. And because it's cone shaped, there were also situations where, where I was running into where I was like right smack in front of an enemy when I cast it. But they were just like a little bit left to like the narrowest yeah. part of the cone and still hit me anyway. Oh, that was, oh, that was getting so, I was getting pissed. I was so pissed. I think there's sometimes like if you were, if you were running at a dog and it like lunged at you, it would just like ignore Lumos and yep. just like go. Yes. Yes. Like it had like um, invincibility frames or something when it was in its lunge mm-hmm. animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that making me really mad. Basically pretty dumb. Boss fight, first phase especially. Second phase... It's kind of a joke. Yeah, it's it's not as hard as the first phase. You just stay in the line of sight of the uh, mirror and run around whenever he tries to smash you <laughs> with boulders. And that's it. So, yeah. And then you beat the game. Yay. So, stealth. <laughs> uh, stealth is a is kind of a big part of this game. If you explore the castle at night, you have to sneak around past like hall monitors. 
which is and it's so it's so bad. It's terrible. It's really bad. I never I never even like tried to do any of them correctly. There's a couple forced stealth sections like um where you have to sneak into the library mm-hmm. um with the cloak of invisibility I might add and you just have to I don't know. Could you figure that out like cuz I couldn't. I was trying to like slow walk and like oh maybe they won't notice me if I slow walk, but it's like you had the cloak of invisibility on and it like did nothing for you. Yeah, like That's what the it felt like. their like field of vision was so strange and there's no like mm-hmm. indicator that tells you, "Hey, this is where their field of vision is." And that's the main problem. Again, I'm going to reference another game, right. but Sly Cooper does this perfectly where it's like you have the flashlight guards and you can literally see the flashlight on the ground. If you would have given the students like a Lumos spell where it's like, hey, this is where they can see and you have to, you know, but no, you just kind of have to like wing it. I save state scummed my way through this. You can also like halfway sprint your way through that's what a I lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I did. I sprinted so. through all of them and just waited till I got lucky. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, yeah, this is probably one of the worst stealth implementations I've seen in any game because it's just like an instant catch. Yes. But I mean, basically, it's not like they see you and it's over. It's like they see they you and fling a spell they, uh, that you can't avoid yeah. usually. Unless sometimes, sometimes they did miss. But They can miss, yeah. yes. But you have to like break line of sight for them to yeah. miss, essentially. Um, um, there was one point where it was a, a section where I had to... I think get outside of Hogwarts at night or something like that. And there were in like the entrance hall, there were these two goobers that were running around and I got caught by them. And then I came from the door close that I came from the door. I know what you're going to say. It leads to the dormitories. I got caught by those goobers and then I respawned right next to the door that goes outside. So I was like, oh, cool. So I don't have to do that. (laughs) They just teleported I think that was when we needed to go to Hagrid's. Yeah. And that same thing happened to me. Yeah. It was so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, also, I don't think there's any guards outside. So there's not. That's kind of funny, too. Well, no. Actually, wait. I think there might be some walking on the trail. There's like a little crappy gravel trail looking thing. Oh, maybe. And I don't I don't remember if there were there were people there or not. There might have been. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, uh, stealth, horrible. If you're looking, like, I cannot think of anything, any stealth in any game that I've played that's, like, much worse than this. Yeah, I can't like, either. Pac-Man is a better stealth <laughs> game than this game. It's really poor. I do like the idea of that being a aspect of the game. It's just done so poorly that it's, like, because mm-hmm. the idea of, like, sneaking around a castle, you're not supposed to be around, you know, it's, like, that's a big part of the books. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Just squeak chair. <laughs> I'm going to get a new chair. Okay. <laughs> um, it's like a big part of the books is like sneaking around the castle at night and stuff. And it's like fun. I don't know. Like that concept of like, oh, I'm out and sneaking around. I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. But it's just so frustrating the way that it's done. I think like you mentioned, like a, some sort of indication of what like the patrols can see would have alleviated a lot of that frustration just to like understand why you're getting caught and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's all I got to say about stealth. Let's talk about health. Ha ha, rhymes. I put a, I put a health section here. Yeah. Just because we, bo- I noticed we both had uh, the same note about there being some sort of way to increase your maximum health, but we don't know. Um. Yeah, I think it, I think you're right in that it did have something to do with the amount of chocolate frog cards you collected because by the end of yeah. the game, I had three health bars. Okay. So I think I just had two. 
And other than that, you just like refill your health through like finding cauldron cakes and yeah, pumpkin, pumpkin pasties. pasties. Yeah. Um. So there is actually. So you know how when you compl- you uh uh brew potions and potions class. Um, so after the first round, there is a potion that becomes available in that classroom and you get an empty potion bottle and you can fill it up from the cauldron in the classroom and get a potion that restores your health. I never used it, but that is a thing that you can do. I think I did that once and I used it during the final boss fight. Okay. So what I would do, because there was no like good way other than that, as far as I'm aware, to restore your health. So like I would come out of a dungeon all beat up and then I would just run a potions and fill up and like chug a few potions real quick and then grab one last one mm-hmm. for the road and take off again. <laughs> yeah. Um that makes sense. Very Dark Souls like. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> one thing that I did not like about the dungeons and about like the the healing via opening chests thing was the first time I got stuck in this game. It was in the first dungeon and you're supposed to find an owl treat to get Hedwig to land on like a little like stand in the middle of the room. And prior to that, I had only ever gotten healing items from chests. So I was running around not knowing how to like proceed. I just had to go and open every single chest to, for like what I thought was full of healing items to heal my already full health and then find a, an owl treat and then take it back to the stand. And I thought that, that was stupid mm. that there was no like separate like I, I think it would have been better if there was like, dungeon chest. Yeah, or if there was like a like this is the container for healing items and this is the container for owl treats. Like if there was some visual yeah. way to distinguish the two. That would have been better, but I think so too. I I was always out of health, so I needed <laughs> I needed to open every yeah. chest, so I didn't run into yeah. Also, the game in general is very stingy with health. I don't think there's any moment in the game where health is automatically restored. I don't think like so. Ending a day or yeah, and you think like that it would like anything like that? Yeah. yeah. So I was always like barely living. Yeah. <laughs> Just barely had any health. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a strange aspect of this children's game. Not very forgiving in the health no. department. If you want to quickly like run over the spells, uh, just if any of these, I just listed them here. It's a pretty short list. It's, what is that? Six. You got Flapendo, Lumos, Alahomora, mm-hmm. uh, Spongified, Defendo, and Incendio. And for the most part, they're all like uh, Lumos and Flapendo are like combat spells. For the most part, Lumos also has like other. They both have like out uses yeah. outside Pressing of buttons, combat. Pressing buttons, lighting up um, hidden doors and walls. Yeah, doesn't it have something detecting else? Like detecting floor traps. I think it was, was that only used in that one section. I don't remember. I feel like it was, or at least I can't remember any other instance. Oh, and you were also but supposed then, to like the gargoyle statues. You're supposed to light up the gar. That one didn't make a yeah. lot of sense to me because I'm like, why would I think to? I mean, I figured it out, but like, why would? Yeah, why does that make sense? You do it once. Yeah. yeah, you do it once, and it's like, okay, I guess I'll do this every yeah. time. But it's a, it is a little uh-huh. strange. Uh, Alahomora, Spongify, Defendo, Incendio. Incendio is also another attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three spells, they're basically just like keys. Like you press this button to do the thing, and then you press the other button. It's like a, it's like press the Spongify button to jump, or press the Defendo button to cut a rope. Yeah. So it's pretty like I don't know. There's a couple times where you like use them for other gameplay related things, but they're pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's just like you unlocked the the green key 
in like Resident Evil or something. Yeah. It's like now you can open green doors. Pretty much. It's pretty much what it boils down um, to. Yeah, I will say that like as for, for it being a kid's game, I think it did a good job of like making sure that each indicator for each spell was like visually distinct. Like, you know, when yeah. you see the big yellow lock that you're supposed to unlock it with Elohomora <laughs> mm-hmm. or the purple curtain, then you cut because mm-hmm. with the big scissor print on it <laughs> and then you yep. know what to use. Did you have a favorite spell? No, <laughs> I didn't yeah. really care. You know what? I think by the end I was fed up with using any spells because every single time you use one, Harry has to scream yep. about it. And that gets yeah. really old. Flipendo. It's very annoying. Flipendo, flipendo, Lumos. flipendo. Lumos, Lumos, yeah. Lumos. Yeah. Incendio. So it gets to be yeah. a bit much. Your stupid little British yeah. accent. I really liked Alhomora, probably because you only use yeah. it like 10 times. That's yeah. it. <laughs> Doesn't overstay its welcome. So, mm-hmm. I just thought the door like lock was cool. Yeah. That's the main reason I liked it. Spongify was also fun to jump on. Spongify. Spongify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's also stink pellets and dumb bombs. I didn't bombs, use them. But I never I used didn't them. I bother. I was like, oh, consumable? Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> when I was like beating my head against the wall in the final boss fight, I was like, oh, I have stink pellets. This will save me. And I tried to like throw one down and it like missed and I just got hit <laughs> and died. And it was like... <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I didn't really know what they did. <laughs> I never visited George's shop. George and friends. Did you pass that? I first went time. there. I think I went there a couple times. Also, there's like a guard. Like you have, there's like a mini stealth section. You have to get around to get there, and that's like why mm-hmm. it's just annoying. Um, I think that's always Percy too, which is kind of funny. Oh, it is Percy. I didn't realize that. I think um, so. I bought a couple wallet expansions. Because yeah. again, kind of like Zelda, where when your bean wallet, when your bean bag gets full, you can't pick up any more beans. <laughs> and then I, your bean bag. I used the. There's like a gambling chest where it's like spend twenty five beans and we'll give you a random something or other. And I was like, okay. And I used a. I spent a bunch of beans in that. And then I think after that, I didn't really go back. So I think I did the same thing. I never expanded my bean wallet. <laughs> there's um, no real reason to. It, like you don't. No, yeah, you don't really get too much from going mm-hmm. there unless you're using the dung bombs and stuff like yep. that, I guess. But there was a point where I couldn't collect any more beans and I was like convinced that there was some sort of glitch. Oh. Because <laughs> I forgot that it was limited. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it was like a little hack because then you didn't have to hear Harry shout out the color Ugh, of every bean as he picked them up. Bogey flavor. I can't even. Mm, peppermint. <laughs> I was going to make more fun of this, but I can't remember many more other than bogey. Spinach flavor. Grass flavor. Ooh, grass flavor. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't even remember most of the good ones. Oh, chocolate. Was there a chocolate one? I don't remember. Maybe. Um, yeah, that gets... Oh, especially when you would pick up like a bundle of them and he would be like, ew, so just ooh, cut, just ooh, cut himself ooh. off. <laughs> like all at once. Uh, yeah. uh, mm, oh, like a cocktail of yeah. sound bites. Wonderful. Yeah, it was, especially because it's in the first area at Ollivander's shop. It's just like, there's yes. so many. It's just like an onslaught of voice lines cutting each other uh-huh. off. Really good opening experience. Yeah, you know, I feel like some of this really should have been like picked up on in QA. Yeah. Like, hey, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. Maybe make him maybe shut up. Maybe this isn't where we should yeah. do. Yeah. Or like a 25% chance of him like saying something. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for all the patient parents out there who bought their children 
this game and let them play it on like the living room TV set back in the day and had to l- listen to yeah pogey flip flipendo like uh, flipendo <laughs> flipendo there's like four voice lines in yeah. this game <laughs> oh, actually man. it didn't help that no sorry go ahead I was going to say, I don't think there was any variations of, like, no. any of the repeats. So Well, I was going to say, I think as far as, like, annoying over overusing voice lines go, this one has TMNT beat. Like, TMNT oh, is not that maybe. bad compared to this one. I think yeah. you're right. I agree with that. I mean, at least they would say other things. Yeah. I don't know. In TMNT. Yeah. But at least it wasn't, like, this constant. Okay. You want to touch on the level design? Yeah. So... Like we mentioned before, the explorable areas are basically broken up to like inside the castle, outside the castle, and then the gardens, which is kind of like a separate area. I think calling outside the castle an exploration area is a little bit generous because that's more like a flat 2D plane. It's just an empty lawn. Uh. It is an empty lawn. Um, In the aesthetic section for outside the castle, um, it is a barren wasteland. But, yes. Morgan, hear me out on this. Something mm. very liminal about outside the gardens. It's... The Hogwarts grounds. The Hogwarts, yeah. I think it has to do with the lighting. Because I remember the lighting being like, it is like noon. So, like, all yeah. of like the shadows are, like, directly under everything. Like, right. the light's just kind of eerie. There's mm-hmm. no students or anybody walking around yeah. aside from like Ron and Hermione, like little specks in the distance running away from you. And you're like, mm-hmm. where am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Also contributing to that is the um, the lack of music. Yes. For, like most yeah. of the game. Like yeah. there's not a constant soundtrack or anything. It's just like music during certain parts. And it just like gives you a weird feeling. Like, the first time I went out to, ex- like, explore the castle and stuff, I, it almost felt like I was, like, out of bounds or something uh-huh. in the game. Like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. It was strange. It feels like it feels like the level of detail in, like, a, like, PS1 yeah. or N64 game. Yeah. Like, it feels like, like that level of angular mm-hmm. and, like, very, very basic. Yeah, compared so. to like the inside of the castle and the dungeons and the um like the greenhouse and the like forbidden forest areas, like it made all that feel a lot more like richer and detailed just because the lawns mm-hmm. were so barren. <laughs> yeah. I mean every other area in the game is like kind of all right. I think some of the corridors of the castle are pretty samey. Yeah, but- they are. Outside the castle is just like weird. There's like an inconsistency mm-hmm. in the quality that's just very off-putting with that. It's kind of jarring. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more like unique sections of the castle to explore because I personally felt very compelled to like explore the whole castle. Like there's something, there was like a cozy feeling that it like, it was definitely trying to invoke and it like mm-hmm. kind of worked on me. Like I'm like, oh, this is kind of nice. It's like, it feels pretty dead. Like there's not a lot of students or anything in there, but it's like almost there. Yeah. I think for me, like the color palettes are very like inside the castle are very like rich, like the, mm-hmm. the stone color and like all the, in like the, the grand like staircase area, like all the paintings on the walls and it's all these like bright, yeah. happy colors. And you're just like, Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. I think that if I was playing this as a kid, this would have felt like a pretty like, I don't know. This would have like probably spoke to me as being like, oh my gosh, I want to just like 
live here. Mm-hmm. Like this is just so unique and magical. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like got spooky parts too, which I feel like I feel like I have like this close tie in my head with like spooky and cozy. It's almost like I need both of them to feel either. Like uh like when we talk about like cozy games, uh like Resident Evil <laughs> where it's like I do feel cozy at points in that game where it's like you make it to like a safe space and it's like I feel safe. Like Yeah, yeah. The game rarely betrays your trust. I don't think I've ever in that whole series whenever you're in like a safe space. Yeah, that's true. So it's just like it feels very safe. Mm-hmm. And like Resident Evil 2 remake, it does such a good job at this because like the safe spaces are very warm. So like the lighting will change and it'll oh, be very like and then you're like oh, safe. Here I am. <laughs> and then like compared to like outside of the safe zones where it gets like cool and like, you know, dark and like the lighting feels much more harsh. Mm-hmm. It's like a really cool like visual distinction between the two areas. So like in this game, exploring the castle and stuff like that, where it's like all empty and like the dungeon area and stuff. It's like it it's still like contributed to like a cozy like feeling in my mm-hmm. in my head or something. Yeah. So you have the you think the the dungeons are one of the game's biggest strengths. I agree. And one of the things that I was going to point out, so like the dungeons, you can come back to them um, and like run through them again whenever you want. Oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's like sort of like interesting. So you know how um, I mentioned uh, how there's like the the house like seal or whatever um, collectibles that you can pick up and then that affects your grade and that affects how much like points you get or whatever. Yeah. Um, within the dungeons, there are like... Um, like side areas that are only accessible once you've gotten all of the spells. So the only dungeon. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember in the first dungeon, there's actually like Defendo curtains that you can't, you can't get through on the first playthrough because you don't have the spell yet. Um, I forgot about that. And there's like extra, I think there's like chocolate frogs and um, the, uh, like the house seals hidden behind those. Um, Which that was the only one I replayed. Um, you don't have to do them. I don't think. I don't think you have to replay them to get the house cup in one go. Mm. Um, Metroidvania ish with exactly and yeah. revisiting so I, places. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, um, and I thought it was cool how they like tried to make the dungeons like worth revisiting later in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even real. Yeah, I did that completely. I missed that entirely. So. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's good and mm-hmm. fine. It's a little bit. De- I think in Zelda you normally just complete a dungeon, so yeah, that's a bit of a deviation from that sort of you know formula. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that works. Yeah, I I totally, as you mentioned, I do think that like the biggest strong point in this game is the utilization of dungeons because I just think that that's like such a such like a rock solid formula for a Harry Potter game. Like you unlock a spell and then it's like a it's like a dungeon. Uh, that's like tailored to using the spell. Sometimes it was just based around unlocking the spell. Like you unlocked it at the end and then you moved on. But yeah. most of the time you unlocked it like at the beginning or like halfway through. Mm-hmm. And you had to like use it to get through that dungeon, which I really liked. Yeah. I put the garden here. Do you have anything? The, the Anything I had to say about the garden like the applies garden to what scene. I said about the dungeons. It's just like a, a dungeon with a different skin. It really is. Yeah. Kind of. They're, they're pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, were the potions optional? You know, I think they might have been because it like, 
I think Snape would just be like, oh, if you don't show up without your ingredients, I'll deduct points. Which to right. me implies that you could just show up without the the potion ingredients. Yeah. Um, I collected all the potion ingredients. Same. But I do wonder if like you maybe would have been forced to go and collect them. Like, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it should be optional. The game is pretty short. So yeah. I don't, I don't know if that would make sense. We've already touched on it a little bit, but do you want to jump into the aesthetic section? Or do you have anything um, else to say about level design? I don't think so. So as far as like general like graphical quality, it's not particularly impressive as we mentioned earlier with like the outside, you know, I don't know what you call it. The Hogwarts like grounds or mm-hmm. whatever are not like super <laughs> the well utilized or detail mm-hmm. empty. Yeah. Character models also kind of suck. Uh, and there's a lot of factors contributing to how like poorly they come across. There's some... Um, so, like, uh, every time you leave a classroom, there's, like, a cutscene that plays. It's, like, very slow. Um, they're, like, they're, they're slowly walking. Oh, I don't know if this looked different for you through an emulator. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it would be, like, they very slowly walk through, uh, like, a door. And there's just, like, this really ugly, harsh... I don't remember if it was underlighting, but it felt like they were underlit. Where it was, like casting very like weird shadows on their face and just made all these kids look like really ugly wrinkly baby babies oh i don't remember Um, that at all yeah and it's just like an angle where it's like it's kind of tight like uh it feels it feels like a the equivalent of like a tight tight focal length where it's like everything feels pretty compressed and they're, like, mm. slowly walking towards you at eye level. It's just very strange, and it really, like, emphasizes how ugly some of these <laughs> character models look. Yeah. During gameplay itself, it's not it's not bad, because you're, like, far, far away and stuff like that. I was going to say, but... you're staring at the back of his head and his yeah, cloak yeah, yeah. flapping wildly as he's sprinting everywhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I liked. I, I liked how his cloak looked when he was running around. Yeah. Um, it like added to him seeming like a little kid, I guess. Yeah. It's like, he's got this big cloak on, it's just flopping around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was just like certain moments in the game where everything looked really ugly. And it was like, why did you, why'd you do that? Like you made, you made the decision to show the like character models in this way. And it just looks so bad. Yeah. So voice acting, voice acting is one of the, so like the voice acting itself, like the people you know, their performance as, like, um, Harry or whatever, uh, I thought was fine Mm -hmm. for the most part. Like, the person behind the, you know, the person actually talking. I don't know why I'm struggling to say that. The voice actor? (laughs) The person talking, the voice actor. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. (laughs) Um, There was just, like, some factors surrounding that that I felt like were really um, bringing that performance down. It kind of felt ASMR-ish. With, like, the proximity to the microphone, like, it felt like they were whispering and it was very loud. Like, anytime Harry picked up a bean, he'd be like, um, ooh, bogey flavor or a pumpkin pasty. Like, he was, it felt like he was whispering, but, like, it felt oh, very loud. Yeah, I know and it what gave you it mean. Like a, yeah, yeah, it gave it, like, a weird, like, he's in my ear sort of feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um which was a little uncomfortable. Um, so that was 
strange. The writing is also pretty pretty rough um, when they're not lifting lines from like the 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 movie. Oh yeah, like a uh, like when they meet Ron and Hermione. I don't know if you remember this part. I don't. But it was like so in the game they meet after the sorting ceremony and they all meet at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the movies, in the books, obviously they meet on the train, mm-hmm. but. After the sorting ceremony, Ron comes up. He's like, hi, Harry. My name's Ron. My brothers go to Gryffindor. I'm in Gryffindor, too. I got this shirt that says R because my mom made it for me. And we just says R. And I've got seven brothers, and they're all there. And it's like, oh, who's this? Hi, I'm Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> we should really get going now. We are your developer-appointed um, <laughs> guides, tour guides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like rapid-fire exposition. Then uh-huh. it was like cut off by someone else giving rapid-fire exposition and like guiding you to the next area. Yeah, I, I do fun. remember that feeling like very jarring, jarring and being like, oh, okay, hello. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. this, it had like the same energy of like being a kid in preschool and some kid you've never met before in your life walks up to you like, hello, let's be friends. And you're just like, okay, like... <laughs> we're friends now because i am here and talking to you and introducing myself that means we're friends okay sure i've been in the same room as you for the past 50 minutes and that's a significant percentage of my life we're like best friends now (laughs) oh there's a oh that reminds me there's like a weird in the manual it lists all of harry's allies like it's like harry will accomplish his quest through the help of the brilliant hermione the lovable Hagrid and the wise Dumbledore Mm -hmm. and it just like cuts out Ron entirely and I just (laughs) thought that was really funny (laughs) ah Ron he's got a dumb sweater and he lost it chess so he's a loser (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah that covers pretty much everything I have oh one last thing the music so we mentioned that the music isn't like super present Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of sections where it's just I don't even think there's sound effects sometimes it's just like nothing Mm -hmm. um if you're standing still you just hear nothing which is very strange most games do not do that especially for a kid's Um, game that seems kind of odd uh imagine like a kid being like oh it's quiet let me crank up the volume and then it's just flippando flippando a pumpkin pasty (laughs) a pumpkin pasty yeah (laughs) that being said i did enjoy the music whenever it was present it's not john williams who is it assume not (laughs) it's um it's someone else i feel like they did a good enough job though like it i felt like i got fun it's got the right vibes it's got the vibes so got a little flourishy sounds Mm -hmm. we don't know music terminology once again disclaimer don't expect it we know nothing yeah don't don't come to us for (laughs) music we should do we should do another podcast where we review albums without knowing any musical terms i liked when it sounded that way Remember, our... good. How how'd you feel about the time where it went? Ba-dum, 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 right. ba-dum. <laughs> Doesn't this ATV Off Road Fury song sound like something you'd hear in a garage? <laughs> a garage. It band? sounds like something I'd hear in like the Dust Bowl. Yeah, the song sounds dusty. Sorry. Yeah, it sounds dusty. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to compete with John Williams though. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize because again, musical idiot over here. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that John Williams did Harry Potter. Star Wars. Indiana Jones. Indiana Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Who else? Did a lot of stuff, basically. It's like he's done everything, it feels like. Which is crazy. He's like Did he the, do Jurassic uh, Park? Jurassic Park, that was the other okay. one, yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Hmm. Um, that covers everything that I have for aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Same. Do you want to talk about anything else before we move into recommendations? Sorry, let me scroll through my notes really quick. I don't think yeah, so. I'm pretty too. sure I got everything off my chest. <laughs> Draco looks like a weird baby. I have this note. Um, there is one point in the game where you sneak out at night to go meet Draco for a wizard duel and you fall through a trap oh, yeah. door. And I'm like, how did this child set up a trap door? Trap yeah, that's right. In the it's, hallway. It's not like, it's not the other trap door that leads to the gauntlet. It's just a trap door. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. Oh, there was that one point where I was going to potions class and I went through the door and on mm-hmm. the other side, I got to the other side of the door and nothing loaded. So I was just standing in a black void and I could see through I walls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I saw your little screenshot. Yeah. Oh, um, I also said the game does not do a good job of prompting you of when to end the day or end like the nighttime because you have yeah. to like go into the into the menu and like interact with your like your remember all or whatever and like hit a button to end the day. I was just going to say, like, um, I've started reading the manual before I play the games now. Oh, yeah. And I, I that's something that it touched on that I probably would have missed as well. Okay. So. Yeah, I just, uh, I've been raw dogging it still. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like games, ex- like, in this era, it's, I, I really think they expect you to, like, read the manual. Read it. They probably or do. keep it handy yeah. or something. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that just is kind of rushed over or touched on once, and then it's like it doesn't bring it up again, which is not, like, ideal. I think the way we do games now where everything is available in the game is definitely the best. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was it. That was my last my last couple notes. Harry's eyes are green. Yeah. My wife, my wife wanted me to point that out. My wife... Oh yeah, I didn't really understand how saving worked. Like I thought it was just auto saving. I thought it was auto saving too, but like you could also save the game, but it wouldn't save you where you are, which uh, I thought was weird. It would just like restart you at like that day or like a checkpoint or something. I don't know about you because you were playing on an emulator. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be relevant to what we talk about in the recommendation section, but frame rate dips and long load times were a big annoyance for me. Oh, I didn't notice anything like that, actually. Yeah, it might have been helped by the emulation or like my playing big, through like a PC. My big beefy PC. Big beefy PC. Big beautiful PC. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was kind of the, an annoying part of playing on a PS2. This this game, you ca- I mean, you can just play this if you don't really care about Harry Potter, I guess. But it's really like supplemental material. Yeah. Like, it's not like... You can't follow the narrative in any way through no. this. And in some sense, it's almost required to like have an idea of where to go or what you should be doing. And in some sense, like I always kind of knew like what the next thing I was supposed to do was because it's like it's following the movie mm-hmm. uh, or the, the books. I guess I was going to ask, like, do you think that that's like a sound way to design a game? Or do you think that if you're making a movie tie in that you should pretty much beat for beat retell like the movie or do you think it should be like kind of like this where it's like just bits and pieces i think i mean honestly it it varies on a case-by-case basis because like not every movie is so well suited to be turned into a game you know i mean i think i think it's good to try and work in any as many elements from the source material as you can but I think it should be your priority to make a good game instead of making a movie accurate game. Yeah. Um, 
because that's what you're here to play the game. You're not here to watch the movie, you know? Yeah, I guess so. So like kind of ignore most, like just take what you need to. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, yeah I like think a fan sense. fiction. No. <laughs> like a fan fiction. No, or Snape Wife. Yeah. I'm ready to move on to the recommendation section. Yeah. You can play this game on, well, first of all, there's five versions of the game. Uh, the version that we played is the PlayStation 2 version, which is the same as the Xbox and GameCube version. There is also a PlayStation 1 version, a PC version, and a Game Boy Advance version, and a Game Boy Color version. Those are two separate versions. Of all the versions, it seems like a lot of people are very fond of the PlayStation 1 version mm-hmm. of the game. I don't know if they necessarily prefer it, because this uh, the PlayStation 2 version was released a couple years later. So maybe if they were all compared directly, most people would prefer or could prefer the newer one. I'm not sure. Did you see any of the PS1 gamer? I watched a video. I don't think it was the one you linked me that was comparing all the different versions. Um, And that reviewer seemed to have the most fond uh, memories of the PS1 version. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I watched it a, a little bit. I was surprised how warbly the graphics were. Yeah. And that was something that was pointed out by a lot of people. Yes. It's just like. Wibble wobble. So bendy. Yeah. Which is apparently just like a PlayStation 1 thing. Mm-hmm. Like. It is. A lot of games kind of have that. So that was interesting. Um, I didn't play it or look into like a full playthrough or anything. I just kind of saw a little bit of gameplay clips, but. A lot of people seem to like it. It sold extremely well. It sold like 8 million copies for a PlayStation 1 game. That's, that's kind impressive, of impressive, yeah. Think was, uh, I think it was like, it was up there as far as like best-selling PlayStation 1 titles, uh, like when it was all said and done. So quite a lot of units sold, which is neat. The PC game is, I think, a third-person action game similar to the PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 versions. I think there was like more like side activity gimmicky things like a drawing or drawing. I like to stick L's in words, drawing, (laughs) Um, drawing out spells. I don't know. I only saw a little bit of it. Game Boy Advance version was like a puzzle game and the Game Boy Color game was like a turn-based RPG, which was neat. It's, It's very strange to have like. 15 different versions of a game yeah. that's such like a movie tie-in type thing yeah too. so yep um do you have anything to say about these other versions um no except i'm pretty sure every single one was made by a different team so that's yeah yeah i th- i want to say that the two handheld versions were made by the same people mm, they might have been i'm not sure though. i don't remember so potential overlap there if you're looking to pick up the game on PS2, it's uh, going to set you back up pretty penny. It's the PS2, Xbox versions, both around 70 bones. GameCube has that little bit of GameCube tax, putting it at 80 bones, which is a lot. Yeah. Far too much to pay for this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't. We've <laughs> talked about a couple, like, pretty cheap games up until this point. Yeah, that's too much. I was not expecting it to be so much money. Yeah, that's kind of, I don't, yeah, I don't know why. Because, like, yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> No, I maybe maybe it could be like rare or mm. it's like a it's because it came out after Chamber of Secrets and a lot of people like said this is worse than Chamber of Secrets. I yeah. don't know if it's like harder to come by or what. 
I don't know. PlayStation One version is like twenty bucks. PC version is like twenty bones. The two handheld versions are like fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. It's weird that these versions of the game are so expensive. So, do you recommend this game, Morgan? Was it bad? Was it the worst thing we've played? No. No. I still think that goes to Oni. <laughs> yeah, probably. Unless you're like, I really need to experience every single Harry Potter game, then no, I think. I think that's where I stand. Yeah. For me, I was kind of like, if you're at the, like, if there's a Venn diagram of Harry Potter fans and PlayStation 2 fans, and by PlayStation 2 fans, I just mean like people who can tolerate PlayStation 2 jank. Yeah. Of some of like the crappier games, like some of the stuff that was like typical of this era. Uh, if you're in the middle, then I think, yeah, you could play it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not even like I necessarily recommend it. It's just like, yeah, you could play yeah, it. Yeah, it is I think an that option. the only thing that, yeah, I think that like I'm a big Harry Potter fan and I love PlayStation 2 games. I hate PlayStation 2 games, actually. Um, <laughs> this podcast is torture for me, but I do it every this week just for you torture. people. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love I, I love this generation of games and I love Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So the fan service of it being a Harry Potter game was like enough to like, it pulled me through like the PlayStation 2 kind of jank of some of these lower tier games. Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, I was able to enjoy it. If you're one of the freaks like me, then, you know, you can probably uh, find something to do and enjoy there. Yeah. Let me put it this way. I would not deter you from playing the game. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I wouldn't say, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, if, don't do yeah, that. Yeah. If you were starting to put in like the Oni disc, I'd be like, hold on. We have to, <laughs> I have to warn you, you know. You put their game, hand, you put your hand over their hand. Yes. You're putting it in like, wait. I pinch the disc out of their hand and throw it out the window. I'm like, we can't. <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. It's tolerable. It's like, I mean, like objectively, it's probably bad if you can rate games objectively. I don't know. Like, yeah. There's a lot of fan service and that's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, you know, he's doing the flipendo, if you, which is apparently a made up spell, I think, for yeah, the game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, if you are going to play it also, uh, just maybe headphones, maybe don't do it on a communal TV. Don't inflict the voice lines on your family no. members or your roommates or whoever, yeah. your pets, maybe. I don't know perfectly tolerable podcast game you could just turn on a podcast yes turn down do whatever yeah turn down the game volume listen to a podcast mm-hmm. yeah that's listen to our podcast while you play yes yeah. listen to our podcast yeah. on repeat five different devices at a time uh-huh. please shoot those numbers up baby. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um yeah so that's all i gotta say about the recommendation yeah um let's talk about the future of harry potter mm-hmm. as we see it um, and as it relates to video games up until this point, uh, like I mentioned before, I kind of struggled envisioning like how Harry Potter would work. I think I was tainted by the like later movie game adaptations where it's like a weird third person shooter. And I'm like, that's dumb. But after playing this, it's like a Zelda clone. And I think that that works really, really well, mm-hmm. like unlocking spells and just being able to visit new areas because you unlock spells. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of like hinted about this or sort of like discussed this a good amount um, when Claire was here about how I am kind of of the stance where the, the anything Harry Potter related going forward is a bit of a sticky topic for me because of JKR and how she is. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I don't really know how to approach it in a perfect world where JKR was not an asshole. Um, I, I would agree with the Zelda Zelda clone sort of like line of, of gameplay. Definitely. I, I don't really know what JK Rowling did, um, but <laughs> okay. I don't uh, like, I'm not necessarily deterred from participating in Harry Potter stuff currently. So like Hogwarts legacy, when that comes out, you know, I, if it's, I'll probably wait for a sale. I haven't yeah. paid seventy dollars for a game yet. That's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it probably wouldn't be Hogwarts Legacy to break me of that, because um, it looks pretty generic. But mm-hmm. like at the same time, it's like if I can explore Hogwarts and it's fun and it's like in depth and it's like, oh, there's like it's like this game where it's like you know, you got the staircase and like a couple cool areas, but it's like, um, it's not the same like boring corridors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like actually rewarding your exploration, then that would probably be enough for me to like sit down with it for a while and like check out the castle. Yeah. Like, so yeah. Remakes. Could they ever attempt to like redo this? I mean, they would have to like redo the series. Yeah. Um, if they were to do that, is there anything from this game that should be axed or some things that from, from this game that they should focus on? Like, okay, we're going to do more of this because this worked. Maybe we cut out this because this did not work. Um, uh, they need to fix the combat, and yeah, the com. I think they could modernize the combat and have it work. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be opposed to them expanding the spell library. Yeah, I think just a few more spells mm-hmm. would flesh it out a little bit. Maybe a couple. Uh, I don't want to say like souls like combat, but like a uh, a system of like, hey, maybe you just have to time the spell. Like maybe they're blocking, and you have to wait for them to like attack and miss or something like that mm-hmm. i don't know like get some new enemies in there yeah. just something a little bit more complicated just not <laughs> something more than like gnomes you gotta just stun and throw to a hole yeah like um dial back the voice lines and work on your writing a little bit and yeah you're probably fine <laughs> yeah so really just like take the skill take the idea of this game mm-hmm. of where it's like hey we're gonna go through some like dungeons unlock spells that's the main thing you should be taking from this game. Uh, make the castle grounds like more interesting and make the inside the castle section have something that makes it worth exploring, not just the same stone corridors mm-hmm. everywhere. Flesh out the supporting cast and characters, uh, I think, would be another important aspect of the game. Maybe take it slower. This game was pretty fast-paced. Maybe take it slower and enjoy a little bit more of the... Uh, Maybe a little bit closer to the story of the books in the game or the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned this already that you're not too interested in like another um, any entry into like I don't know what do you call like the Harry Potter universe franchise wizard wizarding world? Oh uh, yeah, like was the wizarding world of Harry Potter? Okay, that works. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, do you do you see like a bright future for obviously having not played Hogwarts Legacy yet? or seen much about it. Could you see like a bright future for Harry Potter or do you think J.K. Rowling has kind of like tainted the brand beyond I think some word that I can't think of? Yeah, I think they would have <laughs> to if if Harry Potter were to move forward in like uh in like a way where people weren't so pissed about it, uh I think you would have to cut her involvement. I think she would have to just like basically step down and be like hand hand off the the rights to some other creative whatever. Um and I think you would have to move forward with, like, a new cast of characters. 
Um, yeah, I'd love that. You would yeah. love that, you said? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, just, just because, like, there's there's some things, again, like the deadly fat phobia, the, um, the non-white characters having very stereotypical sounding names, like Cho Chang is the Asian girl. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, just, you know. Lee Jordan. Yeah. That's, is that, stere- I don't know. It's the black kid. Um, I don't know if Lee is a stereotypical black. I mean, I yeah, guess I don't, like a lot of fictional characters that have the name Lee. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know about that. Well, well also like, um, I mean, I don't know how to, I, I don't know what the differences are between like American stereotypical names and like British stereotypical names. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't she, uh, I heard at one point that she got the names for a lot of characters from like tombstones. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I heard, I think Claire mentioned that. Oh. So I'm going to I'm going to tell you a story from Claire that I barely okay. remember yeah. and it may not be true, but I believe that the um like Godric's Hollow, which is where I think like That's where Harry's, Harry's parents, parents lived. Bill or yeah. I think that that may be a real place. Huh. Maybe. And that I believe is where she got a lot of the names for the first book. Again, there's probably I think that's I think that that's, that idea is generally generally correct. The the different you know aspects of that may be uh, false. So yeah, something about that is correct. You know, here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> and that's our podcast, everybody. Yeah. If you know what? Okay, I'm just gonna. This is such a random ass, probably very stupid idea, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it out because um, I've had it in my head. It's not something that I can. Um, produce and like post uh with any of like my current accounts uh because i do i do some i do some creative writing and stuff like that because like i'm part of communities that would be pissed if i posted anything harry potter related so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna upset i'm not gonna rock the boat like that um i gotta rock the boat yeah but i did have an idea of a way or or some some sort of like plot that reconciles um some of like the uh things that i have issue with in the Harry Potter universe. So if I had it my way, I would have a um, muggle-born student get placed in the Slytherin house. And then they're like, struggle with that. Um, mm. And sort of like, you know, like people would be like, well, how did that happen? And then, you know, like maybe getting bullied by classmates, maybe introducing some other like good friends from different houses and maybe like reconciling the bullying with the classmates. I don't know. Just just an idea of like a, a character premise. I like I like Slytherin focused stuff. Yeah. Something to try to redeem how horrible Slytherin is. Yeah. Or or like to highlight how to just to I just want some characters with nuance and depth. That's all I want, really. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. Cause we're not getting Yeah, it. that's all I'm trying to get at. I'm not trying to say that like I'm pro the racist house, like I'm not pro racism or anything like that. I just I just mm-hmm. want some nuance. And yeah. to explore how ambition can be a good thing and a bad thing. Um, would this be set um, after? Yeah, Th- this events? would be set. Okay. So like in so like how Harry Potter was set in the nineties, this would be set in like twenty tens or yeah or modern day whatever oh, okay. you want. Okay. Yeah, I like the idea of because uh, Hogwarts Legacy is set far in the past, um, mm-hmm. like before the events of Harry Potter and stuff like that, or Voldemort and all that. So I think 
going forward would also be fun. Like if they were to maybe set like uh, another game in the Hogwarts series, I imagine they'll stick with whatever time period they're in if they're going to like continue that series. Yeah. But having like a modern day one could be fun too. Yeah. And I think like, and this is like a hypothetical, like, well, if I was in charge, if I was in charge, instead of having this like big, bad, spooky, evil wizard, I think I would keep the conflict focused like between the students Yes. Um, and you would like, yes. you would see the students, it would, it, I think it would be like the same thing as Harry Potter where like it follows them through all seven years, but you would see them grow and mature over those seven years. And, mm-hmm. you know, there would be a lot of different character arcs amongst the students and it would be, you know, something like that. So that's what I that would, would be like. Hard. I feel like, oh man, like how do you do seven years in a game? Do you do it in one game? I guess so. Oh, in a game. Like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't know if you can do a series of seven games. Like, that's a lot yes, for this medium. Yes. Um, like, movies and books, like, that works. But, like, games, that's difficult. That like, is very difficult. You'd be on multiple platforms, guaranteed. Um, potentially, like, three platforms, assuming they had, like, a three-year development cycle. Yeah. Oh, man. Could be three or four. I don't know. Or maybe you would just pick like one of the later years or something i don't know <laughs> yeah so hogwarts legacy you start off as a first you're you're new to the school mm. but you are a fifth year student oh transfer student i didn't think about that yeah That's you're like a transfer student um, oh i know wait do you get to make your own character yes. okay i was gonna say um throw out the um the following so no so so the book and movie adaptations of this of this new uh wave of harry potter idea that i have um you would just make a transfer student and then you would just insert your character into the this group of pre-existing characters and make friends with them ta-da mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> like it, it yeah. just gives you like a little space to like interact with them and have fun with like a year at them or uh for a year with them at school mm-hmm. i got a question for mm-hmm. you kind of related to this okay. it, it's just like a this or that type question okay. do you prefer pre-made character or create your own character like in video for myself in video games in, vid- in video games yeah and just like all the things that that kind of entails like i like a character that i make where i get to pick branching choices mm-hmm. so like mass yeah. effect skyrim eh. rpgs yeah um, yeah, like you you define the character. Yes, but I think, and this is going to be like sort of like a weird, like I know I know you said pick one or the other. This is going to be a weird thing. I, I think it works better and makes a better experience for me if, so like in Skyrim, for example, you make your character, the game does not give you any information about your character whatsoever. So it's sort of like up to you to like have this whole entire like backstory and motivation and everything for them in your head or to just like mindlessly do any single or any quest an NPC gives you. And then you have this like mm-hmm. really weird character where like you're part of the Assassin's Guild, but also you're the savior of everything. And so it's sort of a strange dynamic to have. Or you have something like Mass Effect where it's like, hey, we let you make your character and you have options within this limited set of choices, but they all still make sense for this character given their their pre-written background to be doing. And that's mm-hmm. what I like. Okay. If that makes sense. I think personally I lean more towards created like just a complete uh, open ended like it's something they already made. Because oh. I just feel like tailored experiences like that where it's I, I don't know, like 
Also, whenever you make a character, do you, do you typically make yourself? No. Or do you make a character? I, I like to make somebody. I like to make somebody that's kind of like me, but they're not me. Because Fantasy Morgan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Fantasy Morgan. But not like in a, um, I don't know. But I also don't like Mary Sue characters, you know, where it's like, oh, my character's good at everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was a period of time where like when I was younger, I would just make me. Like, oh, look, it's me in the video game. Yeah, um, I would do that too. I don't like that anymore. Mm-mm. I like hate the idea of playing myself in a video game now. I just want to play like, I don't know. Like, I feel like when you make the character, it's it's less. I Like, I want the developers to tell me a story about a character. I don't want to make a story about a character yeah. necessarily. Yeah. In every game, at least. Like, certain games, I don't. I would definitely want to have the freedom to play around with, you know. Yeah making a person that's kind of one of the downsides about the harry potter the new harry potter game to me is mm. like i don't want to make a character i just want a character with a good story related to that character yeah that makes sense yeah and like i said bioware games really hit that good middle ground for me of like me letting me have enough influence to feel like this is my character but also like having this like pre-written thing that i can like mm-hmm. fall back on for the game yeah. to for, for my character to actually have a proper character arc because if it's up to me I'm probably not going to do it right, according to like the game's mm-hmm. narrative. But that's a whole big oh, ass yeah. discussion to think about. And the about. morality thing, uh huh. The morality thing brings in like another question of like, if you're going to give the player choice of like, oh, you want to be like Paragon or Renegade, mm-hmm. do you want them to just be a person? You're deciding who they are. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's true because for this game, you get to pick your house. Oh. So it's like, oh, maybe it makes more sense to pick your character than yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know if I'd want to play a new Harry Potter game where I'm assigned a house. I don't. Yeah, I think I would want I would want the freedom. Well, especially like, well, I guess we don't know how much the house selection actually impacts. Sorry, this is probably little, probably very little. I got to be honest. So this is going to be a big ass tangent. I'm really sorry. But so I know you haven't played any Dragon Age games, um, but Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age game is called Dragon Age Origins. And the reason why it's called Origins is because it has all of these pre-built origin backstories for you to pick from. And that completely changes the in- your introduction to the game um, and sets you up um, to have like this, like, this is like your first experience with this world and, and does like a little ch- like chunk of world building for you. And then that gives like that informs like your worldview and um sort of like sets up like a motivation for you to follow as the as the origins converge and then follow the the plot line from there going forward so okay so i don't know how much picking a hogwarts house like i i would like if picking a house had like a big impact on at least like the first few hours of the game i think that would be really cool Mm -hmm. yeah i think maybe that's the most you could get yeah like you have like your own area and stuff so maybe there's some unique characters depending on which house Mm -hmm. that you interact with but i I really i just i am doubtful of this game because it's kind of like an unproven studio like and they're just tackling a big open world harry potter Mm -hmm. game that's already going to receive a lot of hate just for being a harry potter game yeah so I don't know what to expect. I'm excited to just see the see the goddamn game at some point. I'd love if it was like a trial because uh, PS5 PlayStation has been working a lot with just in like the branding and stuff or the marketing rather um, for this game. So I don't know if they would do the trial thing that they do for some games 
that'd be great for me because then I could just try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. All right. That's all I got to say about future games. Yeah. So that concludes Harry Potter. We got to clap, Morgan. It's essential. Okay. That's an essential part of our show. We did yeah. it. Harry Potter uh, and the Sorcerer's Stone. So next month, we are, it, like we covered Harry Potter for the anticipation of Hogwarts Legacy, we're going to be covering Resident Evil 4 in anticipation of its upcoming remake. Uh, and I am very, 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 very excited for this game. I think this is probably, like, out of every game that we have played so far, this is probably my favorite. Okay. Um, the first time I played this game was in VR, <laughs> and I just, like, fell in love with it. Yeah. And I'm excited to go back and play it on the PlayStation 2, like the original platform. Not the original platform, but the original generation that it was released in. Mm-hmm. So I'm loving it. Already started playing it. Uh, Morgan, have you started playing this game? Yes. Okay. Got any feedback? Has, have, have the controls become more familiar to you? Um. Yeah. Well, so I've played a decent amount, actually, of the first Resident Evil. I bought the Switch version yeah. of the first one, which I think has like remastered graphics and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. well, actually not, I think it obviously does have remastered graphics. Um, and I got like over halfway through that one. So the tank controls, it wasn't like the most jarring thing ever. I've been shooting a lot and swinging my knife a lot straight up into the air though, because I just get into combat and I freak out cause I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yeah. going to be a learning curve. It's, it's very hard to go back to. Yeah. It's like a very important game for like third person action. Mm-hmm. Um, like the genre, but it's a very difficult game to try to revisit in 2023. So yeah, I, I'm getting used to it. I, that village section really just kind of jumps you into the game. So mm-hmm. you have a lot of time to play with it, but I won't talk too much about okay. it. So that's what we're going to be covering next month. So subscribe or follow the podcast if you want to be notified whenever that is available. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like the show, want to support us, uh, consider leaving a review or a rating on whatever platform you listen on. Uh, there's going to be a new episode of Analog Stick on... I said stick like an idiot. <laughs> Shtick. Uh, new episode of Analog Stick released on the second of every month. So like I said before, subscribe or follow if you want to hear more in-depth discussion of PlayStation 2 games. That is all. Goodbye. I love you. Oh my God. What? <laughs> that was, that was, the, Morgan, we got one job. We say goodbye every oh, time. Oh, it's goodbye. Dang it. Did I do it wrong? Have you said I love you to no. the audience before? Uh, but I, first time. I do. I mean it. I love you. <laughs> How do you think the audience is going to respond to that? I don't that? know. Maybe they're not ready for the I'm commitment. I'm sorry. I'll take it back. If you, do, if you don't want it, I'll take it back. Anyway, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>